Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Versus Media Live on Colonist episode 36. I'm pretty sure it's 36. I'm pretty sure we've done 36 of these already. Uh, I titled this Unforgiven. Uh, we saw our president for the first time in like two weeks and he was somewhat alive. <laughs> he uh, came out and told a great long-winded story that old people love to tell about their youth and their granddaddy and their pappy and their car and uh, not being able to afford going to college, which uh, strayed from the point of student loan forgiveness. Um, a few quick thoughts before I jump in. So the point, we do a couple of like class episodes or uh, exercise episodes where Something that happens like this that affects a lot of people happens, and, and then I don't want to talk to, I don't want to interview a lawyer, I don't want to interview an educator, I, I want to talk to people who have had real-life experience, and just to kind of get a weird, like, unofficial gauge on these issues um, for anyone who's out there and uh, pro or against whatever, and that's what I want to do tonight, um, but a, a couple of observations, uh, one there was there was a couple of interesting things that he said today or or tried to say. Um, he released a website as far as student loan forgiveness. What what was interesting to me is he never came out and said how he was going to do it. He just came out and talked about college is expensive and go to this website. I thought that that was interesting because as we saw from the Speaker of the House last year, they said he can't do this. He doesn't have the uh, constitutional authority to do this. And I would add that if he continues to go further with this, this is a actual, truly impeachable action. Obviously, that won't happen until next year. And by that time, um, the, the very competent Republicans in Congress will probably have moved on. However, I would say that this is one of those you check a box on and, and put in your back pocket. But he didn't actually say today what he was doing. I thought that this was really interesting. If you go back and watch his it was something about a 17-minute speech, he doesn't want to say how he's doing this or or the authority he's given to do this. He just said, uh, here's a story about my pappy and then go to this website. And that was basically it. Um, regarding this website, I talked a little bit on my podcast, but I understand that I published that late and then we're running right into this. You may not have gotten a chance to listen to it, but if he's putting up a website, this to me is not a one-time deal. Uh, he's obviously doing this under the guise of what we were told, at least not by him, uh, the basically COVID Emergency Act. It's a, it's a law that was pay sh uh, passed shortly after 9-11. Thanks, 9-11. Uh, that says, that, you know, he has brought authority in the wake of war, military action or uh, emergencies. And in this case, he's using COVID as an emergency. And where the media fits into this is you saw zero... Uh, intellectual curiosity from our journalists about the two, three, four different colliding narratives happening. One is Biden is taking credit for uh, pandemic successes, vaccinations and uh, rebounding economy and all of this stuff. But on the other hand, he's picking and choosing which actions to use under COVID emergency. He's already waived Title 42 at the border, which suggests we're no longer in a COVID emergency as far as letting people into the country. However, he's still fighting the mask mandate, and now he's saying uh, we need to extend student loan forbearance uh, at least through January, conveniently past the midterm elections, um, in which case he's just going to keep doing this. 
And because we have uh, a media that's completely bereft of any responsibility who would ask him the question, sir, how can you take credit for ending COVID and shutting the virus down when you're still using COVID emergency powers to extend your personal policies? That would be the number one question that, of course, won't get asked of him, largely because they all agree with this action. Uh, but the fact that they set up a website that he said, you go to, and I guess you fill something out. I have not looked at this website, uh, but you fill out a form to see if you're eligible and whatever. And that suggests to me that this is not a one-time deal. If you're setting up a government website, you're setting it up, in my opinion, permanently. Um, that, of course, all leads to more questions. Is this something that's going to happen all the time? Is Democratic president's going to do this going forward? I would suggest yes. You also, Biden, because Biden's not much of a leader, you also have to suggest, you have to look at kind of progressive activists, either on Twitter or what they write in pieces or their own words on cable. You already have Nina Turner, who's a former Bernie Sanders uh, thought leader, <laughs> um, now going out there and saying, now we have to forgive medical debt. And I would suggest that this is part of the broader picture. This is not just about student loan debt. It's about all debt. Uh, you can't pay your credit card bills. We have to forgive those. Oh, you can't pay your medical bills. We have to forgive those. And this is going to go on and on. Oh, you can't pay your mortgage. Yeah, we're going to need to have mortgage relief now for poor families um, making under, you know, a certain amount of money a year. And to me, this is absolutely 100% the philosophy going forward. The other thing I find interesting is they're not even justifying it. They know that it's bad. They know that this is going to get passed on to taxpayers. They know it's not forgiveness. The attitude is it's just it's it's uh, student debt is bad and pay, having to pay for education is bad. And therefore, because education should be free, they there should not be any debt. And so they're, they're not even really justifying it. They're just simply standing by and saying, hey, this all this has to be done. Uh, because this is what we believe. And I think that that's really interesting. Uh, I do want to read a Twitter thread, and I think I just lost it because I'm awesome, um, from Obama's former like economic council chief of staff. And this caught a lot of eyes today. Uh, and it was the only thing that uh, members of the media stood up and kind of said, oh, well, here's here's an objection. And this is coming from... Uh, a guy named Furman, and as soon as I pull up his thing here, uh, because I kind of got caught, whatever, it's Jason Furman, and I'm going to read this, because there's a lot of truth here, and again, it's coming from a, a guy who's an economist on the left, kind of sending off the warning bells, and uh, he says here, pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline on an inflationary fire that is already burning is reckless, doing it while going well beyond one campaign promise which was $10,000 of student loan raise, and breaking another, all proposals paid for is even worse. And this is what I mean. They, there is not even a mechanism here where the administration is explaining how this will be paid for. They just sent the old man out and, <laughs> and that was it. Furman goes on to say the White House fact check sheet is sympathetic examples about a construction worker making $38,000 and a married nurse making $77,000 a year. But when they design a policy that would provide up to $40,000 to a married couple making $249,000, why include law and business school students? By the way, those examples also contradict the baseline some have uh, concocted to claim that this won't raise inflation. The claim it won't raise inflation is based on the construction worker going from permanently paying zero interest to paying 31 a month at an annual cost of $372. 
You can't use one baseline, interest payments suspended, to argue this will constrain demand, and then a different baseline, interest payments restored, to describe the benefits. That is incoherent, inconsistent, and indefensible. It's cherry-picking, and I hope the White House doesn't do it. Spoiler, Jason. He says, also need to be careful with all the distributional numbers because the beneficiaries will tend to have higher lifetime incomes than current incomes. A 24-year-old making $75,000 is likely to be at a relatively high percentile on a lifetime basis. There are a number of other highly problematic impacts, including encouraging higher tuition in the future, encouraging more borrowing, creating expectations of future debt forgiveness, and more. Uh, I want to end on that. He has a few more tweets, but that's kind of the kicker to all of this is this is another one of those, once you open this door, you don't close it. And those three things are, he's, he's exactly right on. Uh, this is, this is, colleges are not going to just sit by and let this happen. They're going to increase their tuition, which is the actual problem. This is the interesting thing about Biden's story today, is he talks about how college has gotten so expensive now. Well, how do we fix that? And you don't fix that by forgiving student loan payments, or it's not even forgiveness. It's passing that on to people poor people who didn't go to college. The other one is he says, this is encouraging more borrowing. And I would agree with that. If, if now people believe, and I'm talking college students or their parents or 18 to 23 year olds who are going into college for student loans, if they believe that possibly in the future that, Hey, this might just all be forgiven. Don't worry about it. They're going to borrow more than they actually need or use with no guarantee that it will be forgiven. And they're going to be strapped with debt unexpectedly and then jaded thinking that they don't have to pay it back. And then, of course, that leads to number three, creating expectations of future debt forgiveness. And that's the big one. You're now going to have people taking out loans thinking, fuck, I don't have to pay this. And they're just going to give up on paying that. And what we're going to see, obviously, is a bubble created. Some of what we saw in the housing market. It's like, I'm just not going to pay my mortgage. And it's going to increase the debt. And it's not going to lead anywhere good. As I said, the White House doesn't even appear to be interested in explaining any of this. Uh, they tried to put Susan Rice out there today and uh, the always reliable Karine Jean-Pierre. And the one thing that they don't have an answer with that I find is kind of kooky and crazy that we saw with Chief Warren was people going up to them and saying, what do you tell people who've paid their loans? And they just say, hey, that's super. That's great. And people say, do I get any of this back? No. <laughs> and I, I would submit that that's going to be the thing that's going to lead to very steep consequences for both Biden and the Democrats in the coming election. And so all of that said, and all everything that I just uh, spoke up about, I want to hear your student loan stories. I want to hear, have you paid your loans? Had, did you default on it? Which is the actual American thing to do. If you can't pay it, you don't forget it. You just, you know, you default. That's, you know, that's the American way. Uh, have you defaulted on the, on your loans? Um, are you going to partake in this? Do you want to apply for this regardless of uh, you might disagree with the policy? Do you, are you worried about the, ta- uh, the increase on taxes this is going to cost? CNBC projects this is going to cost the average taxpayer two, about $2,000 each. So uh, get ready to gird your loins on that one. Um, are you worried about where this goes uh, if you just want to vent? But especially if you've taken out student loans, if you've paid them back, how, what are you feeling about this? Um, my personal thing on this is I don't see this actually going into effect. Um, Biden is using this to basically – he's trying to use the same executive, the OSHA order for vaccine mandate as well as the eviction moratorium. 
And both of those were overruled at the Supreme Court. And that's kind of what I think is going to happen here. This is going to be halted. And I'm not entirely convinced this isn't what the Biden White House wanted. They they wanted him to go out and say, hey, I tried. I tried to forgive student loans, but that evil conservative court or whatever, the Ninth Circuit or whomever, wherever stops it, will say, see, I tried, but, you know, the, the, the activist court has struck again. And I'm not half convinced. I'm not completely unconvinced that that's what this is really about. So, again, uh, I want to go for base. I'll try to get as many people in. Uh, because this is obviously a little bit later than usual. Uh, I'm going to maybe try to do about a, an hour, so about quarter after the hour. So again, a, as usual, um, a couple things. Just be mindful that there might be other people behind you. Um, again, this is more of your podcast tonight than mine. I just, I kind of just want to listen, um, and it's not because I'm being lazy. But uh, I, I want to hear your stories as far as student loans concerned. So we have something to look back on and say, hey, you know, sort of what we did was about electric cars and what we did about, you know, one entrance with schools. So I want something that looks back and say, hey, here are real people dealing with this problem and here's how they feel about it. Um, so, again, just be mindful of people behind you. Uh, the other thing I would request is uh, if you're not speaking or if you're somewhere loud, just please mute your microphone after uh, you're done speaking or whatever, and we can just trade mutes. So that's all. So uh, with that, I just want to jump right in. Uh, I'll take Laura first, and we'll just go through. Laura, if you have it, please uh, just talk about your own experience with student loans. Do you think this is justified? Um, what would be kind of your solution? I know that this is something a lot of us deal with, and, and what do you think about this action today? Let's see if I was doing this. Okay. Hi, Stephen. Um, my thing is we have – my husband has this student loans. Um, not me, but him. And, uh, he, uh, he worked, he was in the Navy and he did GI, he had a GI bill when he got out. And it took him a while getting after when he got out. It was when the economy was crap back in 2002 and all that and didn't get hired on anywhere great. And so finally he got a plant, a job at a gas plant. And then he was working his way to a nuke plant, which is more in line with what he used to do on the ship. So in order for him to move up in the nuke plant, he had to get a degree eventually. So he and when you're in a, a nuke plant, you're doing rotating shifts, you're doing crazy hours and you, it's not conducive to a regular school. So he had to take classes and did he had to go like the University of Phoenix route. So that way, because all they wanted was a piece of paper. It didn't matter what the degree was in, had nothing to do with what he did. So he did that and he used up his GI bill and he wound up with like $12,000 in student loan debt after, well, more than that it was probably closer to 20 and we got it down to about 12. And so once they froze these, you know, loans after the COVID thing, we started slamming them because that's the perfect time to do it. Cause then you're just paying down principal and all that. And we got it down to five grand. If, if I, if I can ask real fast, do you, how much, how much in loans did he take out? And like, what was your monthly, if you know that? Um, yeah, he got it down or by the time he was done, he had about 20 grand in total. And, um, and as he paid in, once he had start paying on him back in like 2006 or something like that. And he got it down to about 12 grand is where we started back in. Um, and once, when the COVID shutdown happened and, uh, and it was like maybe close to 400 bucks a month, something like that. And so when it, when everybody, you know, for everything froze, we just started slamming them. And so like when we got, we, he, when he 
wound up getting took a pay cut because you have to get a license to move up and become a reactor operator. So he had to do an 18 month training stint, which is a big class and it's like exhaustive and insane. And, and then you go and do this big government exam and then you get this license. So it winds up where you, since you're not doing shift work, you're not making all this extra money. You're, you're paid to study and you don't get paid. You're paid a, a salary wage. So, he took that pay cut, which knocked us down below the 125 and uh, 125,000. But now, but we slammed the student loans because, you know, you're not going to come up with a time where you can make that kind of dent, you know, when they're not putting interest on your stuff. So we got it down to five grand and now they're coming out with this. <laughs> so it's, it, it, you know, it, we were going to pay it regardless because we obviously had been, but, Going by all this, we would have been better to have just paused and not paid anything from the twelve grand that we owed. Let them waive the ten thousand, and then we just owe two thousand. And uh, so, you would you have done that regardless? Let's say you're against this, and you're obviously in the well. Well, great. I, what do I get because I paid down my loans? And I suspect I'm going to be hearing a lot of that tonight. Um, would you have taken this and just said, you know, you know, even if it's say against principle, so you would take this deal and say, well, you know, I don't like this, but you know, I'm going to do it because it'll help me or whatever. Or um, are you just kind of jaded now? <laughs> I'm annoyed. I knew it was going to happen. I mean, I, well, I figured they would probably, I think it was more of, they're going to eventually, they're going to try to do it, you know, but I'm, I didn't think they were going to, I knew they weren't going to forgive everything anyway. And I, I was going to pay, we were going to pay regardless because that's just what we do. So it's more of like a go freaking figure. Because <laughs> every time it's worked out, every time something like we do the right thing, something like this comes up and it's like, it, you know, why did we bother? And we had the same thing with the housing bust. You know, we bought the cheaper house. We wound up, you know, we could have got, we were approved for a lot more. We said we didn't want to be house poor. We wanted to be able to do things and live a little bit and, you know, have a little bit of cushion and not be left holding with those crazy things and all. And we didn't take all the crazy vacations. We've got four kids, you know, one is 22 that we have to pay for, you know, with their schooling. And we've got three more behind her coming right along. So do you have, do you have, do you have uh, youths in college right now? Um, she's doing online school right now, which there's actually, which has been nice. There's more options you know, than when my husband was taking classes. So she's not, she's just doing something through the state right now or through community college and stuff, which, cause she hasn't figured out what she exactly wants to do. She's just working and doing some stuff online through community college. So it hasn't so been you, bad. And we were able to pay that out of pocket. So that hasn't been an issue yet. So you haven't looked at like, you know, what this might do for uh, her yet. No, for, for, you know, your other kids coming up. And if you take out loans, what this might yeah, do. Not, not yet. No, we haven't yet. But we also in Texas, we do know that the, he, there's, I guess, a, a Brazelwood act that there's separate that my husband has backup for one of that. One of them can use after this is done since he exhausted his GI bill. There is something that we have in the background for one of them. If, you know, they want to do something a little bit fancier than, you know, start, but most of ours so far, the fr- two oldest have been real smart about, they don't want to do anything crazy until they know what they want. And they're, they're perfectly happy doing, you know, a community college startup, <laughs> but they've also been homeschooled and, you know, they're not government trained. 
Yeah, I think I think my favorite my favorite tweet about this whole thing today was Lawrence Tribe, and I and I saw a lot of people oh, on yes. saying mm-hmm. you know he's praising the fact that he, his students are now going to you know <laughs> have debt relief, and if Lawrence Tribe ta- teaches at Harvard, these are yes. Harvard law students who are going to mm-hmm. come out of, come out of Harvard Law making six figures, multiple six figures if they're good enough. And Mm -hmm. it it just, it summed up this whole thing so perfectly about, you know, again, a competent media uh, would be saying, you know, to Green Jean-Pierre, and they would be saying to these guys, hey, do you not understand that, you know, the people who hold the most debt that's going to get relief are, you know, the upper, you know, 6% of the country or the middle class. And you're now asking people who chose not to go to college, who could maybe not afford to go to college, Mm -hmm. to now pick up the bill for rich, you know, Harvard law students. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was just such a perfect thing. And and I wish if there was a way to condense a tweet into a political ad, that would be the one to do it. Well, one quick thing, though, I have to tell you this real quick. My neighbor, she works from home. She works for the IRS. She does audits and everything. And so and she's a Biden supporter. Oh, wonderful. And oh, it just blows my they all are, but it just blows my mind. She will come over here and she'll talk to me and she'll tell me how, oh, she has all these plans. She has $200,000 in student loan debt. And she's telling me how she's not paying hers and how she, how she already has it figured out how she can retire and how she's not going to have to pay that back and how much she will lose out of her pension by not paying her loans and stuff. And how and how she's going to work her way to, you know, retiring out of the country (laughs) and that her and her friends up there, at the IRS are already working on these ideas and game plans. Yeah, that's fun. Government employees not paying back their loans is even more fun. And she's and she tells me she's really upset that how they aren't they don't really care about her and how their employees. Yeah, um, you, and should I just, just, you should probably just stop talking to that neighbor. I, well, she's she she's a hoarder <laughs> and everything else. It blows my mind, but it just it, the entitlement. I mean, she had health problems in the spring, and I took her to the hospital. Also, I, her son's over at my house all the time, and you know I'm taking care of him and feeding him. And she's telling me she she missed like three months of work. And she has all these special, I'm like, you can't, no job can you go for a week and not call in, you know, but she still has a job, you know, and she's all upset. They're going to, they're start. They're supposedly going to start their background checks again and force them to go back to the office twice in a pay period. And that's, that's not fair either. So I thought, you know, I have a direct line, but I told but you're getting 87,000 new employees to help you. So you know? <laughs> I said, you better hope they don't find out about all your loans. <laughs> Yeah, how fun would that be? Um, you yeah. should you should you should turn her over to the IRS. That could be fun. Don't you think? <laughs> I should turn her over to a lot of things that and there and her go. leasing office. But you know, what do I yeah. know? <laughs> Lara, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Yeah, that's always fun. I I, I never have a problem screwing over IRS employees. So <laughs> me neither. <laughs> Laura, thank you. Thank you for your thanks thank for you. your info and thanks for your story on that. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Uh, just. I'm just going to keep rolling through here. Uh, like I said, this is more of me just listening to your story. So, Vanessa, uh, welcome back from vacation. Thank um, you. Tell me about your student loan story. Um, I am 35. I paid off my student loans about two years ago. 
I was in college for like seven years because I did change my how, major. So I did much, have a how decent How much did you take out in student loan? Uh, about 20 grand. Um, I went to a public school though. So it's not like uh, Laura's neighbor, 200 grand. That's just insane to me how people rack up that much debt. It's, it's the but perfect thing. I was in college $200,000 in student loans to, to become an IRS agent. It's... Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly that, that the problem here. We're basically paying off like Lena Dunham film studies degrees here with with that's, this stuff. Is that's again the major problem here? I know, and it, it that amount just blows my mind because to me that's like a house. Like I don't uh, just for yeah a degree, but um, I was in college during the Obama years, and I remember when he overhauled the student loan program and federalized everything. And I had a couple of loans that I had taken out get um, switched from the provider to the Fed. The Fed took over the loan. Uh, the servicer changed a couple times, which was kind of annoying. Um, but the main thing I remember from Obama, and he did all of this, you know, well, we're going to save the taxpayers money. It was really just what they needed to fund Obamacare because Obamacare just had its tentacles and everything. But what he did was... In- in addition to federalizing everything, he reduced um, caps on like how much uh, income you had to have before you had to start paying off your loan. I think he set up a program. I don't remember what it's called, income derived repayment or something like that, where people would, if you made a certain amount of money, you wouldn't have to pay over a certain percent each month. And after 25 years, any remaining balance would just be forgiven. And so what happened was there was a massive, massive increase in people using that program because all these people were like, oh, hey, free school. So the amount of people using that program shot way up. I think it went up like 600% over the course of a couple of years. And what he had told everyone the taxpayers were saving, it went in the red by like a trillion dollars was added to the debt. So I kind of look at that as how and where this all kind of went off the rails, but the Biden thing, I totally agree with you. I think it, it, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And this is like you said, the same thing that they did with vaccine mandates. They, and I feel like their way of doing it is they always announce it and then they don't really tell you how they're going to do it. And in the meantime, they've got someone looking up some very obscure rule or law that they'll use to justify the whole thing like they did with some random OSHA requirement for PPE and that's how they're going to get a mask mandate in. And of course it goes to SCOTUS and gets overturned. And I hope that's what happens here because I'm, I'm kind of irritated. Like I worked hard to pay off my loans. I had a shitty job out of school. I had to live with my parents for two years because I was paying off my loans and couldn't afford to have an apartment or rent a house. Um, I don't live with them now. I'm not John Fetterman or anything, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's aggravating to see this happen. And I know plenty of people that did not go to school. They have blue collar jobs. They went to, I mean, they went to tech school, but they didn't take any loans out for some shitty liberal arts degree. And now they're stuck footing the bill for all these idiots that have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans that they just decided I'm going to make the minimum payment for the rest of my life and hope something happens. What do you, what do you think about, cause I know Obama did this as well. It wasn't like Phoenix university or his, 
it was one of these trades like ITT Technical Institute or something like that. Yeah. Where he, he, it wasn't his DOJ, but he went after those schools and said, we're, we're going to forgive loans from those technical schools, which turned out to be kind of junk degrees where, you know, they, they kind of hook students in. And I think the art institutes as well did this where they hook students in and then they, you know, they saddle them with 60 grand and then you get out and you, the degree is like worthless and people can't get a job. So it, would you it, just picking, you know, just because this popped into my head and you're, you're lucky enough to be on the line is what do you think about like that? Like, are there such a thing as bogus loans where they're bogus trade, you know, bogus in- institutes or Trump university or what, whatever it is, should those be forgiven? And, and then isn't that the pretense for what Biden is doing? I mean, I don't know. I, I look at a loan as a personal it's, commitment it's sort that of, yeah, someone it's sort makes of the same, and sort of the same, when you're buying a property. Yeah. It's sort of the same as the subprime mortgages where yeah. they blamed, you know, the Obama administration blamed banks on and wall street on those when essentially bill clinton passed a law that said banks have to take high risk subprime candidates they have to like we're, we're mandating you to you know under like the civil rights act that you have to take poor people who can't pay their mortgages and so right. I, mean, and then, I know that that's the trade-off yeah you you are mandated to take um to to provide credit to someone whose credit history is shitty, who they would normally not provide credit to. And then whoopsie daisies, this person isn't able to pay off their mortgage or their student loan. Um, but to answer your question, I, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's correct either to, to forgive that type of loan. When someone takes out a loan to buy a speedboat or a stupid car or whatever, just insert whatever item and you decide maybe it's worthless after a few years and you don't want it anymore. Okay. But you made a commitment. You made a personal financial commitment to pay back the money that you've borrowed. So whether you're satisfied with the product, whether it's a vehicle, a boat, or a shitty art degree from RISD, then that's your problem. You, you got to be a big boy. You got to pay it back. Sorry, them's the rules. Yeah, like I, I, when I saw like Nina Turner said, now do medical debt. That to me is, that's where this is headed. It's it's not even just, it's just basically saying we need, we want free shit. You shouldn't have to pay for yeah. education. You shouldn't have to pay for a place to live. Yeah. Um, this is basically the Ocasio-Cortez doctrine it, it all wrapped up in one bow, which is you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to pay for transportation to get you to your job. You shouldn't have to pay for a place to live. You shouldn't have to pay for education. You shouldn't have to pay for healthcare. And, and then we all live in, you know, Mark's Bay's utopia. And so that's, like I said, Biden is not someone who is a thought leader on any of this stuff. He just, he, his people tell him where to go and when to do it. And, you right. know, this is good for voting and we need this now. And then he goes and he does it. And so I just looked at this today and I said that this is, this is going to be the next big issue. It's, it's going to be, we just need to forgive medical debt now. And that'll be, we'll hear Chief Warren, you know, hitting that peace pipe over this stuff and banging her wampum over, you know, we need to, now we need to forgive $20,000 of medical debt. And now we need to forgive mortgages and now we need to forgive car payments. Um, and that's, that's just the road they're going down. And I think it's obvious. I think, I just think it's completely, completely obvious what they're doing. And it has very little to do with Biden or, you know, 
this. And uh, like I said, I think the pretense of it is so hilarious because they're not even, they don't even care about the negative effects. It's just that they, they want, they just want to be able to sell it to, you know, their mush brained college students. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask, do you like how much, how far do you think the needle really moves this next election? If this goes through, I don't know when this is going to be implemented, but do you think there's really that many people out there that are going to be energized from this? Yeah, because if it if it actually hits them, yeah, I mean, if you hit, if it actually if they if they're suddenly their taxes go up or whatever, or if inflation hits, which is I don't know how they think elsewhere are supposed to pay for this. Um, and this again to me goes back to the irresponsibility of the media. They they basically are repeating student loan forgiveness the same way they repeat gender affirming care or don't say gay, which is they use the language that the Biden administration wants them to use, so they just use it. And I do think that there's a sizable chunk of people out there who, yeah, they've paid off their loans and they're just like, what the fuck, man? And, you know, where do I go to get my handout over this? And, uh, you know, I think it depends on turnout. So if your base is, you know, what Joe Biden or the Democrats bases, which is what college educated whites, then that's who this policy is made for. And that's made who's, who's supposed to turn out. And so I don't see how this policy appeals to, say, non-educated Hispanics, which is the one voting block that is moving away from you very, very quickly. And so they hear this and they say, well, I didn't go to college. I'm just I'm here working my, you know, my job, whatever it is, just my blue collar job. It could be a mechanic. It could be in hotel. It could be anything. And now they're sitting here saying, you know, even if it doesn't go through, they're hearing it in their head as, so I have to pay for, you know, someone's Harvard degree. Like, even if that policy doesn't go through to me, that's what they're hearing. And so the even if even if this doesn't happen, I don't even understand the risk of doing it to turn out voters for the midterms. I, I don't because to me, every everything is adverse on this. I don't see who this benefits other than you think you can get away with it because of a complicit media that has been telling you to do it and who agrees with it. Yeah. Yep. And then the only thing I would just add is I thought it was kind of funny how the one time Biden uh, <laughs> doesn't go completely off the stage and turn his back on people when he'll actually spin around is when he wants to be a deranged prick and argue with a reporter about the fairness of people paying back loans. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. I mean, he didn't. I mean, first of all, Peter Ducey's question to me was bad. He, he asked him about Mar-a-Lago and the FBI raid, and it's just kind of like eye on the ball, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's what he thinks people on Fox want to hear. But I thought that that was, if he had one question, and, and Biden's shown himself prone to getting his attention. If you give him the right question, he's going to turn and, you know? Yeah. You. So I thought that that was really weird because, and then he goes and asks Kareem Jean-Pierre, like, how are you going to pay for this? That's the question to ask Biden. When you have when you have the old man in the room for the five seconds that he's decided to be president for the last month of August, that's the one you ask. You say, "Sir, who's paying for this? How are you? How how are you even doing this?" Um, and then, of course, someone yelled. You know, someone yelled at him another question, and he goes, "Do you think this is fair?" Yeah. And he just turns around and he talks about, "Do you think it's fair that billionaires don't pay their fair share?" And you know that that's like the talking point he just has stored in his ancient skull Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what he does. He talked about, 
I found this funny. Like, this is just kind of what he does because he's old. He just tells the same anecdotes over and over again, like a man desperately trying to hang on to them whose memory is just turning into a bowl of soup. So, and he does this all the time. He he falls back on familiar memories or familiar anecdotes because that's just what dementia patients do. Yep. And, he ta- and he did the box of food thing again today. I heard and, that. Like, that he's done that now. He did that one a few months ago where he was screaming about it, you know, just to get a box of food, you know. And then he did it again today. And he goes, do you remember that? You guys all remember the cars, the line of cars? And you could just feel the journalists in the room going, yes, Grandpa, you've told us this one before. And he talks about, like, getting a box of food for the trunk. And I, I laugh at that because it's so nonsensical when you when you think, like, people were just getting a box, like a box of food. I'm going to the store to buy a box of food. And so he turns around and he just gives his, he gives his canned answer that he has memorized uh, about tax breaks for billionaires because he doesn't have anything else. And especially when he doesn't have a good answer, he just falls back on the same canned five lines that he knows. And he desperately is trying to cling to before, you know, his head melts into a pool of Play-Doh. And so I, and it was so funny because no one in the media brought that up. It's like, what is, what does that have to do? You know, tax breaks for millionaires and billionaires. Is he calling for giving student loan a tax break? Because I think there's some economists who might argue with that. Like it's not a tax break. It might be for the person who got their, who got, who just got unburdened by their student loan payment, but that has to go somewhere. So I assume the federal government is picking up that tab. Well, who pays for the federal government? We do. So it's not a tax break. And again, this would be something if you threw it over to the last president, this is something that every journalist in the room would be opining about on Twitter. And of course, they all just turn their heads on it, just like they turned their heads on Nancy Pelosi saying a year ago that he couldn't do this. They all just kind of forgot yeah. about that one. They all just, uh, you know, they don't. It's not that they, you know, know it didn't happen because I'm certain they did. It's just that they decide to stop paying attention at the opportune time. Right. And and the obvious thing with, with his response about tax cuts for millionaires is the Trump tax cuts were not implemented by Trump himself. It was something that Congress did. What he's doing is not that. He's bypassing Congress to give this sort of, forgiveness, even though it's not really forgiveness, it's just a transfer of debt. And it was just, I don't know, it's just silly to me to see him. He gets all, you know, angry. Yeah. I mean, just to wrap this up, I mean, the best and the brightest are talking about why should I have to subsidize farmers in Iowa? Why do I have to pay for them? And it's like, well, do you Move. not like food? And then you had, um, God, who was, I think it was Pod Save America say, why should I have to pay for people whose homes are destroyed by hurricanes when they live in hurricane zones? And it's like, they didn't purposely ask for a hurricane. Right. And so if this is the best answer you have, you generally know that they know that this is a gimmick to just turn out the vote. Absolutely. And I just, I don't see how, I don't see how it becomes legally obtainable. I think it does get blocked. Um, but like I said, they threw a website up there and it's just kind of like, are, do you plan on taking down the website when COVID is over? And we know that Biden just keeps extending the COVID emergency and he'll keep doing so much to, like I said, the non-curiosity of a media who is saying, didn't you just say you were going to shut the virus down? And yeah. so today, today was the first day. If I, if I, I'm going to just give my one conspiratorial thing. 
Today was the first day where I, I think that the only reason they're putting the old man in a mask is to keep up the appearances that COVID is still there so he can do these things. This was the first day today where he got off the fucking helicopter wearing his mask and then he walks in the room wearing his mask. And I would I would just give anything to have a reporter just go, sir, why are you still walking around in a mask? Like, are you afraid of catching COVID for the third time? Aren't you fine? <laughs> You're vaccinated. What's going on here? We're not wearing masks anymore. Why? You know, just to see what he would say. And it is one of these things where today is the first day where I'm like, he's totally just, they're fucking doing this just to make the appearances that COVID is still out there so he can keep doing this. This is the first day where, you know, I fully believe that's why he's doing it. Because he takes it off, and then, then he puts it back on, and then he doesn't really know. And then, he, like he did two weeks ago, he took it off and then coughed on everyone and then put it back on. And Ugh. so this is the first day where I actually believe, like, Susan Rice and Ron Klain are like, sir, you need to go out in the mask. We need to make it think like COVID's still a thing. Because they know the press isn't going to ask him, is the virus not shut down yet? Right. I'm inclined to agree with you on that. All right, I'll let you go. Stay Thanks, cool. Vanessa. Moving uh, straight through, David, give me your student loan story and what you think about what you saw today. Oh, hey, uh, Stephen. Um, well, I don't have any student loan stories. I bailed on college. So maybe I'll just talk about uh, Vanessa's student loan story and also uh, Lara's husband's student loan story. Uh, I'm kidding, uh, although I, I have tremendous admiration for both of them for meeting their obligations and knuckling down. And they just seem like really good people. Um, what I did have was an observation about this that I'd love to, uh, run by you if I could. No, get out. No, what do you want? <laughs> I'm going to assume that was sarcastic and proceed anyway. Um, uh, it occurs to me, Steve, that, that this proposal by the president and government largesse in general, uh, and also, you know, DEI stuff. So much of it strikes me as policies that would be put in place by an eight-year-old boy. And here's what I mean. I mean, people, you can just imagine, let's just say our hypothetical eight-year-old boy is named Billy. Just a generic archetypal eight-year-old boy. You can imagine just this kid, people would come to him and say, hey, you know, Billy, people are burdened by these big loans they took out. What should we do? And an eight-year-old boy, Billy, just saying, well, just tell them to forget it. It's all good. Or if you went to Billy and said, Billy, you know, too many people from certain minority groups are, are being arrested for shoplifting. What should we do? And you can imagine this kid saying, just stop arresting them then. It shouldn't be a crime. You can just, um, these, these, these are policies and you, there are, we could probably find a dozen more examples. These sound like policies that, that would be implemented if they could do it by eight-year-old boys. Does any of this make sense? Well, no, you're describing modern day neoliberal and slash socialism for the political left. It really it really is just giving endorphins in Twitter sound bites about what they want to hear. And and then they they know that if he can just go out and he can give the soundbite, I'm forgiving debt. Hooray. They know they don't have a media who's going to tell them, well, hold on. How are we going to pay for this? How are you doing this legally? How are you doing this constitutionally? Whatever, because they know if they do that, his eyeball is going to explode out of his head. And so he knows that he can just go out and get the end clean and Susan Rice and Green John Pierre knows he can just go out and say it. And the media is going to cheer and they're going to go, hooray, he did it. And then 
kind of like what Vanessa said about the OSHA mandate. Then they're going to go find they're going to go find an obscure thing like they did today and saying, "Oh, we're doing this under the 9/11 Patriot Act or some shit." And then it's going to go to court and most likely gets blocked. And then they're going to dig up the history of the judge and find out he's a Trump appointee. And they're going to use and of course the media then uses that to discredit the very legal constitutional decision that you cannot a president cannot implement this. Congress has to implement this. And then by then it doesn't matter because they know they got the two minute Rachel Maddow soundbite. It really is to me that simple. They, they're, I mean, all a lot of politics is fighting PR battles no matter what. But especially when you have the majority of the press on your side, it's very, very easy to do that, and they know that. Okay, you're okay. You're saying so. This is all just optics, and it's not, and, and and nothing will come of this ultimately. And you might be right, but I'm okay. But I'm talking. Maybe I'm talking in more macro terms. In general, a lot of policies that are being implemented now, like what a lot of you know local district attorneys are doing in not prosecuting certain crimes if there's theft under a thousand dollars, for example. A lot of, for example, uh, affirmative action policies where, you know, if people from a certain minority group aren't scoring high enough on their SATs to get into prestigious colleges or any colleges, you know, they're talking now about just getting rid of the SATs. And a lot of colleges are just abandoning them. It's so these are policies that are being implemented that would be implemented by just children, by third graders. We don't have the result we want. Let's just wave the magic wand and force it through. And I feel like that's uh, very pervasive now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and like I said, because they're feeding off of the equity talking point. And as right. I said, th- this drives most of not only Democratic policy today is the whole equity thing. It drives most of media coverage. It drives, like you said, most of what's happening in progressive-run cities right. under the guise of equity. It's what's happening in progressive run school districts now um it's it's this this is basically what they've decided they have to get behind because of institutional racism or or what have you and i don't know what they're convinced of that or if they just think that you know they're doing it in the name of anti-racism or or what have you that i don't know what the motivation is um the problem is is that Biden is losing minority voters more than any other Democratic president in modern history. And that includes, you know, black voters who might just stay home. Uh, That includes Hispanic voters, which we've talked about at at length here. And so that's the thing. That's the other thing about this announcement today. This this doesn't make anybody happy. I don't know why they they did this in the sense of he already knows the political right's going to exploit this to say you're just saddling you know, middle class, working collar, you know, working blue collar families with a with a bill for, you know, Occidental College liberal arts degrees. And you're not forgiving enough loans to subsidize, you know, African-Americans who took out loans to go to school. That's that's you're not giving up enough to where this is going to make much of a difference. And so Biden kind of tried to address that and then he just trailed off again and, and he, he he thought he was back on the, the Delaware beach or whatever like that. And so again, w- once you realize that, that that is the policy of what's driving most of their talking points. And that's again, why you have the, a monolith of progressive thought in media is because they're all, they're all kind of obsessed with this equity talking point, which ultimately leads to race. Although I would argue right. that it's, it's, it's more about class than it is about race, but they think it's about race. 
Um, and, and that's interestingly enough what the argument the political right is making. That we're making this is a class argument. This isn't this isn't about race. This isn't about college. This is about class. This is about who is picking up the tab for whom here. And like I said, all you have to do is point to Lawrence Tribe, who who thinks that his Harvard law students are living in destitute, and if they are, that's on him and Harvard. And that's why, you know, one of the solutions I saw coming out of this is to just if next time the GOP is in power, just tax the living fuck out of endowments for colleges. Or at least you pass a bill that says colleges can be held liable for defunct loans. And that's something that's been pushed sort of kind of by some aspects of the political right and some GOP politicians where, you know what, if a student takes out a loan, and a college somehow doesn't deliver on this and this person can't get a job, then that college can be sued and that college can be on the hook for a loan should a student be able to provide that they received an inadequate education. And then, again, that goes back to trade schools and, like I said, ITT Tech or art institutes or whatever, all of these private, you know, localized colleges. And some courts have already decided that that's the case, especially in class action lawsuits. So I'm not big on using the court system to remedy this, but... There, there are other avenues to go down. And I think if you can get universities to be on the hook for some of these, you know, loans, then you're going to see tuitions come down. And, you know, th- this is what's kind of so interesting to me is someone like Elizabeth Warren, who's championing forgiving student loan debt, who made a six figure salary for teaching one fucking course at Harvard. Like, why are we addressing that? Why are not we addressing, you know, the, the, the amount of salary that, you know, people in, 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 in uh, God, what the fuck? In who make tenure or administrators? How much are these people are making, and why are we not addressing those costs? And that's to me why Biden's rambling, good old days speech didn't add up. Is because he's talking about the cost of college while justifying students taking out loans, which is why he has to forgive student loan as opposed to addressing the problem, which is the rising cost of tuition. And especially in a scaled back environment of COVID, where a lot of colleges still charge the same in tuition, even though students were locked in their fucking dorm rooms taking online courses and the campuses were completely locked down and colleges didn't decrease their tuition costs. And so to me, those are all, you know, symptomatic of the problem. And like I said, maybe that's the solution is is Republicans and GOP just say, fuck it. We're coming after your endowments over this. If somebody's going to pay for this and we're not putting it on, you know, middle class taxpayers to do it, you're going to pay for this. Well, I hope they're I hope they're listening to you. All right. uh, I'm going to I'm going to sign off. Uh, Wonderful talking to you as always. Hope to do it again. Thanks, David. Uh, plowing her through. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to desperately try to get through. I know I have a lot of people here and we're running a little bit late. So I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to get through everyone, uh, up to Jay with the superhero Stacey Abrams, but Zach, go ahead to give me either your student loan story, um, or your impression of, uh, where we are. Well, I, I took out, it ended up being right about $40,000 in student loans, and that was because I went back to school. I already had a degree and decided um, I didn't like what I was doing. And so I went back and had to, it was kind of like a last ditch effort to stop from making the news for uh, workplace violence. And 
I finished in December of 2015, um, and right after that, I used some of the inheritance I got to pay down about $10,000 of that, and I was starting to work as an accountant, and then cancer showed up, and it had spread, and so I was finally able to get it medically discharged, but even then, it took... Like, just having stage 4 cancer wasn't enough for them. Like, I had to have my doctor write a note basically saying that there was very little chance that I would recover before they would even um, do that. But now, I kind of want the $10,000 that I paid off back. Do you think that, I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting thing that nobody's been talking about um, and I guess this is along the lines of the same thing as forbearance or forgiving or not forgiving, but handing out is, would there be a way to just, I mean, and obviously Biden can't do another stimmy because that would kill him under, it would cause inflation, but that's kind of what he's doing in a way. He's basically, you know, giving people who owe $10,000 of student loan, he's basically just giving them a $10,000 check. And he's just like, here you go. You just paid this off. And he's doing it under the, you know, under the guise of no, this isn't a stimulus for you when it really is, it's almost no different other than the fact that you don't get the money put into your bank account. You just don't have to owe that anymore. And it's weird that no, that more people aren't explaining it that way. Like, especially, you know, Republicans are out here saying, you know, look what, look what Biden's stimulus did to, as far as inflation, we had to print all of this fucking money. So, I mean, it's interesting in that sense. And, and like I said, med- medical debt is going to be the next one. They've been harping on that one forever. Elizabeth Warren's been been mentioning that. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Go, go ahead and elaborate on that more. Because I know, I, I assume you also just, I know based on your personal circumstances, you also have medical debt. So is that something you would take if, if you didn't have insurance or if you, even if you do have insurance? Um, well, I mean, I, I do have insurance, but yeah, you, you, um, I still have medical debt because I can't work full time and, uh, the cost to, uh, the cost for uh, these procedures is, is quite expensive. I mean, when you have to order radioactive materials so you can put them in my liver, um, to kill cancer spots, you know, it's not, it's not cheap. Um, and so, I mean, if they, if they, you know, waved a magic wand and, and forgave medical debt, I I would take it just because practically I have to, um, but, you know, when you have somebody who has $200,000 in student loan debt and they have a degree in, you know, film studies and they're working at, you know, a coffee shop, uh, is that... You know, I, I just, I think we're trying to save people from their own bad decisions and not just shit happening. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Biden was clumsily trying to say today with, you know, there's always this argument ever since Obama that, you know, you have the born lucky millionaire billionaires who aren't paying their first share and the Starbucks barista who took out, you know, $70,000 for a gender studies degree is actually a victim 
because they can't find it in their, you know, they can't find a job that fits their degree. And I think the most cynical thing about it is it really is just feeding off of people's financial victimhood. Now, look, um, bad bad shit happens to people all the time. And and I know people who didn't use their degrees and I know people who were, you know, pissed off at their student loans and things like that. And I know people who, you know, took out loans and then they ended up didn't having to use them mainly because what they, and this is what's interesting, kind of what you said about people's bad decisions is, you know, I I know people that went to college, took out loans for a degree. And then the, the degree, you know, the best thing they could get coming out was like a public librarian. <laughs> and so they end up either doing their own thing or they end up like that. I mean, people, people use the barista joke a lot, but because of where Starbucks is and how much Starbucks pays with benefits, it's, you know, it can, you can, you can live very comfortably, you know, below the median line. And that's, that's one of the things this country has really done, especially in progressive cities. They've made it really easy to, and comfortable to live relatively poor. You can you can go on unending benefits, and you can you, you know, and, and not to dig up the whole Obama phone thing, but you can you can now get you know subsidized phones with prepaid minutes, and there's we've made it very very comfortable to live acceptably poor. Meaning, if I if I can just have like a, a one bedroom to two bedroom house, and you know, a phone, and and maybe a low paying job plus government benefits, and oh by the way, I got a PlayStation because I didn't have to pay half of my rent. Then hey, that's super. And that's just kind of where we are. And the Democratic Party is is very very good at making people frightened that Republicans or whatever are going to take all of that away. And they're not necessarily wrong. And I, I, I think until the GOP finds an effective messaging for that, then they're at a disadvantage, especially, again, in progressive-run cities. This one, however, again, when the Democratic base is shifting to college-educated whites, this one affects, again, it affects everyone. It affects non college educated whites it affects um african americans who have a job and it's like i I didn't choose to go to college why why the fuck am i subsidizing this person's shit on msnbc now and so i do think that this one is a dangerous policy proposal especially for biden who doesn't have a a base of support other than basically the media and i also don't and, and i think that this is an underrated point i think it was someone on twitter who pointed out that the city with the most people or most jobs with the most outstanding student loan debt is Washington, D.C. So you have a lot of staffers, a lot of people working in the White House, a lot of people running shit jobs for c- congressional people. Um, you have a lot of those people who are like happy to see this and happy to push this. I would also argue you have a lot of 20 to 30 something journalists who took out a lot of fucking student loans who, because this affects them personally, they don't step back and go, "How's this? How is this going to affect Zach?" In I forget what state you're in. Are you, you're in Mississippi or Arkansas, aren't you? Uh, I'm in Arkansas. Ah, see, I got. It. I was right. Better than that, Matt Seaprick, who's from New Jersey. Um, but they say that they, they don't give a fuck about what you have to pay or whatever. It's just because I'm a journalist. And th- I actually saw a tweet today from it might have been someone from BuzzFeed who said, you don't know what it's like to have to live in Manhattan on one hundred and forty grand a year. I shit you not. That was a real tweet. 
it's such a real tweet that I want to I want to fucking find it from the person. And so while I'm listening, I'm going to go search it. But as someone who lived in New York City, I never even looked at that. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you have no idea how hard it is to to live where I do and and be broke because of my college. And it's like, you're choosing to live in New York City, okay? Like, unless, I don't know, I don't even know a job that mandates you to be in New York City. And I lived there for 10 years. And they generally don't have that ability to look beyond their own incomes. And there are a lot of journalists, and don't underestimate it, who are still out there paying off their fucking student loans for the communications degree from Boston or Brown University. And so that's one of the reasons they just stand by and let this happen. They truly do not give a shit about you or anyone in this room who's had to pay for student loans because, hey, this one affects me personally. And I also think while I'm on that tangent, that that describes most journalists, especially under the age of 20 or 30. And I forgot who said it, and even I've made this comparison. Journalists 20, 30 years ago, they used to be overweight dudes who smoked and drank coffee, and they were in their thir- you know they were in their forties and fifties, and all they did was like bury their nose into a typewriter, and that's all it is. And now most journalists today are Taylor Lorenz. That's just a simple fact, and you can thank pretty much BuzzFeed for being that. You know who sells you the glamorous lifestyle of you get to come to work and write about cat listicles, but then you have to go home to your fucking Lower East Side studio apartment and be miserable and so yeah of course you're going to advocate for forgiving student loan and so don't again underestimate where journalists personally come from on this they don't really care about zach in arkansas they don't care about um you know people who you know who are in texas or missouri whatever they just they literally just don't they don't even care about it their job is to advocate what affects them personally well and and I'm, I'm going to tie that in to a couple things. Um, now everybody's kind of noticed that, that polling has gotten much worse. I'll, I'll say it politely. Uh, because uh, the pollsters for like the New York Times, they not only would collect you know, data from phone calls, but they would also go out into these areas to meet with just common people at, you know, diners or uh, wherever. And if you mention that to someone in New York now, uh, they'd act like you just kicked their puppy off an overpass. Yeah, that became a punchline. That, especially with like people like Dave Weigel and whatever, that became a punchline when Trump was elected and you had some members of the media going to like Pennsylvania diners and going, what the fuck? And that actually became a punchline among Washington Post journalists and New York Times journalists, which is, you know, going out to hit country to figure out why people voted the way they do when they argued, you know, why did nobody go out and figure out why people voted for Hillary in California? Like that was a legitimate thing that happened. And that was one of those things I just I shook my head at. I'm kind of like. Yeah, I kind of was that way, too. And then and I told the story that then I went and I talked to people in upstate New York and whatever. And I kind of came to the realization of, holy shit, Trump might win. And the fact that that became a punchline, again, don't underestimate how that all plays into this same debate. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I think this is just another example of of the White House kind of taking their policy from Twitter. 
and I know you said you didn't want to talk about this again, but um, I, I truly believe that part of the reason they made the decision to go raid Mar-a-Lago was because they saw Twitter, people on Twitter clamoring that it should, you know, something should be done, and so they did it, and now, you know, there are people on Twitter talking about how great it is, and, um, you know, everybody I've talked to just out and about is going, uh, what the fuck? This, this is not good. Like this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what polling does. But like I said, I, I think that this more has to do with like the vaccine mandate or it has to do with the eviction moratorium. It's, he doesn't have the authority to do it, but he's going to come out and say he did it just to basically rabble rouse the base up. So Zach, I'll give you a final thought. Um, uh, well, how are how is your how is your treatment going? How about that? Let's end on a happy subject. Um, everything is is stable, which that's is good. which is good. I, you know, that's the best we can ask for. Um, so I go back to Houston in about about four weeks to follow up and, and see where we are if anything's changed. But uh, I'm I'm still alive and. Uh, happy note, with all the new IRS agents being um, hired, I will have an influx of clients asking me to help them with uh, with their audits. <laughs> so, I mean, that's good. I'm, but, um, I might be one of them. I'm, I'm dead convinced I'm going to get audited over just... Just because of like my Twitter and, and like whatever, I'm I, I, I'm not I'm not high on the radar, but I'm I'm just sitting here going, yep, I'm going to be audited over this, which I'm mostly okay. I I, I mostly have my ducks in a row, but um, I also have like sixty seven dollars in my Venmo that I have not yet reported, so I'm sure that they're going to get me on that. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, I'll I'll leave on this, but anyone who says. Well, if you just follow the law and you have a clean tax return, you don't have to worry about an audit. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking moron. It's and... that's, but that's that's everything with social media. It's uh, guilty. What what are the best ones? If you if you paid your shit, you don't need an audit. If you're if you're not guilty, you don't plead the fifth. And there's I think there's one I'm missing that is a, a thing that gets like fifty thousand retweets of one if, of those. If you don't have anything to hide, why aren't yeah. you worried about a search? Yeah, that's the other one. That's right. Or, um, yeah. So, well, that's good news. You're you're about to, you're about to be rolling in Biden bucks. So that's good. So, all right. Well, um, thank you for taking taking my call and not not skipping me. I know sometimes that's probably crossed your mind. No, <laughs> but, uh, no. I'll, I'll talk to you later. I see. I see like at least four other people coming up here that I'd rather skip than you, Zach. <laughs> All right, thank you. I'll let you guys guess which four. Anyway, Bruce, while we're ending on that, Bruce, same thing. I'm, we're just gonna. I'm just gonna go through everyone that I can get through. Uh, let's see here through Jay. So we saw about eleven callers. So we'll, I guess we're gonna go late. If for some reason we can't do it, I might just do part two on this tomorrow, like we did last time. But Bruce, give me your sure. student loan story. Have you paid your student loans? Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, are you gonna take advantage of this? Um, so give me, give me everything. Yeah, so I'm 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 old. Um, I got married in 2004, and I didn't have any student loans. I went through on a uh, on an ROTC scholarship and actually finished college with uh, $1,200 in the bank. Um, and the Air Force also paid for my graduate school. So I I 
got a very good deal, you know, trading some uh, military service time for my education, which I was very happy to do. But uh, I got married in 2004 and my wife uh, had a much different uh, set of circumstances. And at the time we got married, I don't know how much she had paid down before we met. But when we got married, uh, she had $26,000 in student loans, uh, which we paid off about seven months after we got married. I, I happened to have a very good job and she had a she was on an accelerated payment schedule. She had just gotten a, a pretty good raise in her job too. Um, and so we, you know, we just kind of combined forces and, and paid everything off very quickly um, just because that was the right thing to do. But that was many, many years ago. But what I, uh, and as far as like how I feel now, I, I, I kind of knew this was going to happen. Um, there's uh, two, two things I want to talk about and then I, I want to be able to move on. But the, the first is, is that my wife was a, an early childhood special education teacher in the state of Oregon. And this required, this was a, a teaching position that required an advanced degree. So she ended up between community college and her undergraduate and her graduate school was in college for seven years and got a job that paid about $30,000 in the late nineties. So not, not great. And the part of the deal was because of the special education program she went through for every year that she taught uh, in the in whatever uh, qualifying program, she got a thousand dollars of principal of her student loans forgiven. And I, I just when I when I'm an engineer. And so, you know, I've always had a, a pretty good salary, but I just it just marvel. I just marveled at the fact that. This was a this is a, te- a a job that requires an advanced degree and yet really doesn't pay enough to uh, you know to, to cover the cost of the education to qualify for that position and I, I don't know, maybe there's some other teachers on the on the listener list tonight that, that can identify with that and uh, you know and teaching salaries and all that come up but being a, a an early childhood special education teachers that kind of a, 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 it's, it's not like being a classroom teacher in a, you know, in a, a regular school program. It's a year round program. You have to drive around to, to all the different uh, uh, families that you visit. And it, it, it it's a, it's a high burnout uh, a career. And uh, you know, we, we got married and she taught for a little bit longer. And then, you know, basically six weeks before our first child was born, she, uh, she quit and has not, you know, she's done some substitute teaching here and there, but really hasn't uh, worked full time in the last, you know, close to 17 years. So uh, I, th- that that's that's my student loan story. The other thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, I don't know if you or or uh, somebody brought to your attention Gabriel Maller's, uh, um tweet stream about this, where he's not sure that this is going to get challenged in the court because there's about who has standing to to challenge this rule. So I don't know if you if you've seen anything on that or, or have any thoughts on that. Uh, I haven't seen Gabe's personal thread on it. Um, I have seen tweets about that, about who actually you know how do you bring a how do you bring a suit against this or whatever. Um, I don't know, and again, uh, I, I'm not trying to play online lawyer, but I don't know if that stops a judge from blocking it. Um, again, I'm, uh, I, I tried, I really, really, really tried to pride myself on someone who, 
uh, doesn't wade into topics I don't know much about. And sure. obviously, you know, delicate matters of, of constitutional law is one of those that I'm not completely familiar with. So I, like I said, I, I think I even said that on Kennedy, like I'm, I'm the last guy who appears on cable news who doesn't try to uh, play lawyer. Um, but again, I don't know if that stops, I don't know if that stops somebody from blocking it or whatever. So again, um, it's, it's weird to me that if this was a done under an emergency order, you know, they set up a website that come out and Biden doesn't even say that he, I mean, this is, this is what was so amazing. I'm still stuck on this is he comes out and it's almost like he wasn't prepared. It's, he, he didn't talk about, he didn't come out and justify. He didn't say, here's, here's how, here's the authority invested in how I'm doing this. This is, you know, he very clearly saying, I have the authority as president under the 2003 national disaster act or whatever it's called to, you know, to give limited powers to in national emergencies, which COVID is still, and then he could go off and just, let's say I'm his political advisor and he could say, we're still experiencing 300 to 400 deaths a day under COVID. You know, we still have people in hospital. We're still seeing variants. We're still seeing waves and et cetera, et cetera. The problem is you can't be Mr. Fucking shut down the virus and come out and do all of that. But again, that's all dependent upon a competent media saying to him, sir, didn't you say you were going to shut down the virus? And we already know they're not going to do that. So as far as legally, I, I, I don't, I honestly, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The closest example I think you could have for this is the, is the rent moratorium is coming out and saying, well, we're going to, we're going to extend this. And I think that that was blocked. You could argue the vaccine mandate was done out of an emergency. And so all I'm basing it on is what I've seen in, in the history of it. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe someone who's listening out there is an attorney and you can jump on and I'm, I'd be happy to listen to you. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. Um, I would argue it's better for him and for his party from an election two months from now, if that were the case. And like I said, I, I looked at it and I said, this to me feels like the rent moratorium, like we're going to forgive, you know, you, you can't be evicted or it's the eviction moratorium. I'm sorry, just to be clear. And it feels like it. It feels like a pander because he didn't come out and specifically say, he didn't come out and say, here's my authority. I'm the president. Here's why I'm doing this. He came out, he coughed into his hand, and then he gave some long-winded story about his dad and I couldn't get into college. And it just, it felt messy to me. It felt like this was really, for a guy who's been sitting on this decision for a year, it felt like they just threw this out there. And I, I don't know what they're distracting from or anything, but it, it was just weird to me. It didn't, and I, I think a lot of people, based on my interactions, got the same feeling of that. Like, yeah, it's it, one thing if, like, the president marches out and, you know, you know who was really good at that? Obama. Obama was really good. What was it? Do you remember when Neil Monroe yelled at him in the, in the Rose Garden over, I think it was DACA? And and that's another one Biden's doing, by the way. He's going to try to uh, shield DACA from federal regulations, which is going to be a fun one. 
but I think it was Obama came out and tried to sign the executive order on DACA. And I think it was Neil Monroe from the Daily Caller who yelled at him and he goes, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You know, and he kind of put his hand up at him and then the media went after Neil Monroe for asking the question. That's right. who was good at this. Ob- whether or not you agreed or whether or not it was constitutional, Obama was good at coming out and saying, here's why I'm doing it. Here's X, Y, Z. And today we just we got like a confused old man going into stories about when he was 17. And so, again, I, I don't know. I don't know if someone will have grounds to challenge this or uh, on standing or if a judge might just attempt to block it and, and shoot it to SCOTUS. Um, but it feels like that that's what's going to happen. And again, I, I'm, I'm by no means passing myself off as an expert by saying that, but it feels very much like the eviction moratorium. And that's how that went down. And so that's that's the best answer I can give on that. Sure. Yeah, that's all fair. Um, real quick, I, I did. I have a, a uh, I'm out on the West Coast on a business trip and I'm with a younger colleague who does have some student loan debt. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't agree with this, but if, if the money's offered to you, take it. <laughs> you know, don't you know, don't turn down a, a handout like that. Yeah, I don't I don't. I don't personally, I don't think, I mean, I'd have to talk to people, but that's another interesting thing to me is it's sort of like the PPP loan. And we saw that today with Rory Cooper, who's who's somehow being held to, you know, you're a hypocrite for taking PPP loan because of this. And it's similar to that is, you know, are, do you turn it down if you have 12 employees? I, I don't find the example comparable, but it, it's, it's, it's sort of the same situation. You might be against a government handout, but it's a unique circumstance. And I guess I look and say the Biden administration is the one selling this under COVID. So if they're selling it under we're in a COVID emergency, there might genuinely be people out there who are like, oh, shit, we're still in a COVID emergency, especially like in his base cities, <laughs> like San Francisco and D.C. and New York, who are like, no, this is still COVID. We're all still locked down. We're all going to fucking die. Um, and so maybe and so, I mean, that's obviously the the dilemma question is, you know, if you're against this stuff, do you still just go ahead and take it and be happy with it? And so, I mean, that's one that I wish more people tonight, or maybe I will have. I have, I have 11 people still to get through. <laughs> um, and maybe that's one that someone will answer. It's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll take it. Or maybe it's like, no, you know what? I'm on a payment schedule. It, you know what? I'm in a thing where it takes it out of my account every month, and that's what's going to happen, and that's what I'm going to do. So that's another fascinating thing. Um, I don't have an opinion on that because I'm not in anyone's personal circumstances, but it is one of those where it puts you in that kind of principled compromising position. Right. All right. Well, that's all I have. Thanks for taking my call tonight. And uh, we'll move on. Let let some other people have a chance to tell their story. Not at all. Thanks, Bruce. Joseph, same thing. Welcome back, by the way. Um, Have you taken out student loans? What did you think of what you see today? Do you think this is going to go through? Um, just give me kind of your personal story with this or anybody that you know. Uh, me personally, I've not taken any student loans. I went to two-year community college and <clears throat> got to graduate this past spring. Um, most of the money that was paid off in the tuition was through scholarship, mostly parents' money, and one last semester throughout my own throughout my own bank account. But I have not taken out student loans. How much should that? How much should that cost you if you had to estimate through two for a, for a two year degree through community college? How much should that cost you 
or or just total like what what was it added up completely uh i mean uh, rough guesstimate would be 7000 community college is not what it used to be <laughs> Yeah, it was at least above. It was at least above seven thousand. Because I remember most of my semesters, I had to pay at least like above two thousand for at least four classes. I took. I had to take two qualifying classes at a community college for the college that I did get into. So that that seems. I think mine were like seven hundred at the time, or something. Something like that. it was. It was affordable, but no, I was I was just curious about where it is. That's what inflation does, Joseph. That's where we are now. <laughs> well, this was, well, this is uh, even like a little bit before COVID. So yeah, it's definitely gotten more expensive than the last time you went to community college. Um, do you do you know anyone either through friends or, or family that's dealing with student loans or had it canceled, or what what do you think on what you saw today with Biden? I don't know anyone personally that has student loans. I can only infer one friend because uh, she like posted like a something like on her Instagram story when she saw the news. She was like, "Oh, Joey," kind of indicating that she was like happy with that idea. So I was oh, like, good. Okay. Well, as long as it's getting spread through Instagram, society's <laughs> best and brightest. I was just like, "Oh, okay, that's like, you're being duped," but okay. Yeah, that's what this feels like for his base, and especially for the Instagram and the Twitter base. It just feels right to them. It just it feels good to them. It's like osmosis, where yes, this is the right thing to do. This this is right. Incidentally, everyone's favorite squad member, Mark's Bay, has just posted on her uh, her official rep account, not the influencer <laughs> account, that student loan student debt is immoral, and like I said, that this is where it's. This is not so much for Biden. This is where they are taking the debate. This is where that wing of the party, who, in my opinion, will be very empowered in two to four years because of their disappointment with the old man. This is where they're absolutely taking the debate that any debt has to be forgiven. And that will that will be credit. That will be mortgage. That will be medical. It will be any debt needs to be forgiven. And that's Man, the political right better find an argument against that because people hate yeah. paying bills. Yeah, that's true. And also, like the like you said earlier, it's like the media is like not even trying to like hide that they're obviously like pro for this. Because uh, I remember seeing uh, my, one of my local news channels from ABC kind of saying, "Good news! If you have student loans, they can be forgiven." And like the I had a little twitch in my eyeball. So I was just like, wow, they're not even hiding it this time. No, and like I said, they're they're using the same language that the Biden administration wants to use. Nothing's being forgiven. It's just being passed off. Like we this is a cost that's gonna be passed off to people. It's gonna be passed off to poor people. It's not this is gonna be so, this is what was so nonsensical about his answer today. It's not billionaires who are picking up this debt. Okay. It'd be great. It would be great if like Jimmy Buffett just decided to be like, Okay, how much is this? Three hundred and thirty billion? All right, here's a check, you know? But they're not the ones doing that. And th- this is also what's funny to me about we always see celebrities or whatever who say, I'm happy to pay higher taxes. I'm happy to do that. Or I'm happy to pay my taxes to the government. I'm happy to do this. Like, ha- what do you think would happen if, like, someone showed up to Robert De Niro's house with, like, a bill for 200 or 2500 bucks 
saying, oh, this is this is for, you know, Joseph's student loan payment. Can you pay this? His security would shoot you in the head. <laughs> exactly. Like he and so that's what's kind of funny to me is like this isn't even asked. They're not even going under the pretense other than Biden's nonsensical non sequitur. They're not even under the pretense that the rich are paying this. Like, that wasn't even in Kareem Jean-Pierre's answers today. That wasn't in Biden's answers today because they fucking know it's not the rich paying this. They know that this is a bill that's going to get passed to everybody and it's going to be split amongst everybody. When CNBC is out here going, yeah, and, and Obama's lead fucking economic advisor is going, yeah, this isn't good, especially with inflation it really yeah. is. It really is nothing more than a cynical move to try and get through the midterms, and that's that's like the most. That's the fucking thing about it. It's just like they they're not. They don't believe this. Biden would believe it if he knew where he was. But it, it's just one of these things where it's they know how cynical it is because they're not even trotting out the the cliches about you know, sir. What are you worried about? How the middle class is going to have to pay for this? Millionaires and billionaires don't pay their fair share. <laughs> and then they trot them out back to Delaware for a week. Yeah. And uh, one last thing I'll add is that, like, I had I had a teacher, one of my math teachers a long time ago, said that she was, like, hugely against the idea of, like, you know, for, like, you know, student loan forgiveness. Now, granted, I, yeah, I did. went to, like, a small Christian school and it, was, it wasn't, like, quote-unquote liberal paradise, but, like, she said that she was hugely against this because she, she even herself is like still paying off a lot of money for like her student debts. And granted, I, I, I've been out of that school for three years. I don't know how long she is to like fully paying it off, but yeah, I kind of remember that saying, I was like, no, it's, it's just because this, this is not fair that what that I'm still paying off my debts where I have to then take on your debt. And that's what a lot of people are kind of forgetting, but it's just like, they oh, make it. I don't, I don't they, think they're forgetting it. I, I think, like I said, they're not even trying to hide this. Like Kareem Jean-Pierre just gave her the most nonsensical stuff, but they, they know, like when Obama's people are speaking out going, this isn't good. I don't even think they're hiding it. I think, I think Biden is just trying to appeal to a voting block that their internal polling says we need to turn out to make the midterms close. Yeah. So... That's my take on it. Yep. All right, sir. Thank you. All right, Joseph. Good to good to hear from you again. Yep. Samuel, you're up. I saw Samuel had a comment on this today on my podcast. It was it was too long for me to read, so I'm just going to let him go off here. Well, I'll go. I'll say first. Um, I'll admit to being the hypocrite who is against this and and will take the money <laughs> if it actually goes through. Hey everyone, you're uh, paying Samuel's college debt. Let's give cheers. Uh, do you have any reservations doing that, or is this just strictly uh, I could use the relief and I'm going to do it, and that's it? And I'm not judging. I'm, I'm yeah, seriously no, not. I'm just saying, is that is that just what it is? It's like no one I know has to pick up this debt, so I'm just going to do it and and deal with it. No, I, first of all, I don't even know if you can opt out of it or if you're just going to log into your account one morning and 10,000 is just going to be taken out. I don't know, but yeah, it would have been nice for someone to explain that today. That would have been cool. Yeah. Well, my other question is, and not to you, but to like what they're doing is they talked about if you received a Pell Grant, it's 20,000. Well, I received a Pell Grant for one of my four years, but then- income went up of my parents 
and mine. So then we no longer qualified. So do I get 20 or do I get 10? I don't know. They're, they weren't very specific in what they're saying. You which, need to and, do me a favor. Just bite, bite the credibility bullet, go to the website and do me a favor. If you're going to do a do, go, I saw the website. Cause as soon as Joe Biden like said it, I wanted to make sure it was a real thing. And he wasn't imagining, you know, a giant rabbit standing next to him. So do me a favor and go to the website, do, do everything, apply for it. And just leave me either a message on Patreon or comments and just tell me what it's like to go through the whole process. Cause I'm again, this is something that he didn't do today. He just came out and gave a weird speech about when he was a kid, like a fucking Werther's commercial. And then he walked away and yeah. like, he didn't give any specifics at all. He just was like, go, go to the website. And, and so as someone who's, who's delightfully going to be hypocritical for the rest of us, <laughs> um, go to the web. When you apply for this or when you decide to do it, um, do me a favor, just go through the process and then just leave me, if you can, a message or a comment and I'll go on the podcast and say everything that you need to do. Because again, these are things people should have asked today or journalists should have asked or he should have explained and said, if you had a 20,000 Pell Grant, you're free. And now you have people like you going, well, I used the Pell Grant in my year one, but then I didn't need one. And then my parents got bumped up into a higher tax bracket and so did I. And Again, these are the questions journalists should be asking, but they don't care. So I'm giving you homework. So when you go through it, just give me like a basic rundown of all the steps it takes to do that. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, like I'm going to accept it because it's like the difference is negligible whether I do or do not. Like it's going to cost $300 billion. Like 10,000 is a lot of money and will I don't have that much debt. Like when they're talking earlier about like 200,000 and stuff. I have like 30 ish. And like I have been since I got my job first job out of college. Um, I've never, I've never had to make a payment because I graduated during COVID. Um, so I've never made a payment, but each paycheck I take out a significant portion and put towards it and just put in a savings account to go towards that debt once it starts coming due. And it's like, again, I think it's a trash policy. I think when you have Charlie Cook, who's very conservative, but very, he's not Mark Levin screaming on Mar- on Fox News about impeach, impeach, impeach. When Charlie Cook comes out and then says in no su- uncertain terms, he should be impeached over this. I, you know, I think it's one of the worst, most regressive things you can possibly do because I come from a working class family. Where, are you talking about calling for impeachment or are you talking about what Biden's doing? What Biden's doing. Okay. Because I agree. I think this is, I, I gen, I mean, there's about three, I mean, if I'm the Republicans and I'm just looking for, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. If I'm just, if I'm strictly looking for Trump revenge impeachment, which is going to happen, by the way, Mm -hmm. at least in the house, I think that this is the first legitimate thing he can be impeached over. Um, I I think you can argue Afghanistan just, I think you can just argue a I think you can argue just general mental welfare, (laughs) which would be my personal favorite just to, just to put it out there, just to put that thing that everybody sees and hears and knows, but nobody's willing to say. Um, I, I think that this is just like, I think the IRS scandal was Obama's first legitimate impeachable offense. 
this to me is Biden's first legitimate impeachable offense. It's a violation of law. It's a violation of oath. And he's just walking out there and going, I'm going to do it. And that's that to me is what impeachment is actually for. Like when you're purposely flaunting the law that you know that you're doing, people can argue shady phone calls to foreign address, you know, to, to foreign <laughs> countries. And that's fine. And I'm and I'll listen to those. But thanks to that, you've now lowered the bar to uh, questionable constitutional actions. Yeah. No. And the reason that I just, the policy is so bad, and I just want to point this out, like you said, I made it in the comment on your podcast, is I do appreciate the income cap. You know, they didn't have to put income cap, so they at least did that. The problem with the income cap is it does not account for trust fund babies who take low-paying jobs because they can. They work at nonprofits, they work as journalists, and they only make forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, but they're trust fund babies. And the pushback I got on that is, well, why would they even have student loans? What do rich people love? Free money. College student loans are free money. You don't have to pay any interest on them for four and a half years after you take them out. It's the entirety of your college, uh, your college, whatever you want to call it, and six months after you graduate. So that's free money, 0% interest. Of course they're taking the loans. And then it like it also applies to graduate and law school debt. A lot of like doctors and uh, lawyers don't make $125,000 plus right out of law school. They have to make a lower amount first. And it, it, it's just incredibly regressive where maybe they could have targeted it even more, you know, and it wouldn't have been as bad. But either way, it's it's giving political favors to their base, which are educated um, white woke liberals, really. And I, I just I think it's horrible. And I really don't want to hear another Democrat ever say again that we're the party of the working class because it's just not true. You can say Republicans aren't the party of the working class either, but you can't call yourself the party of the working class when you're giving bailouts to college students or college educated people who don't even need it. I don't need this. My loan, my student debt would be gone by the end of next year without this. Like in two years time, I'd have paid off my entire, but but you're still going to take it, right? Yeah. Okay. It's not my fault. You know, (laughs) no, keep going. I'm just, I'm just going to use that. No, it's like, I'm using using the righteous anger against you because that's what I do best. Oh, absolutely. I vote against the people who did this. I don't support the people who do this. I don't campaign. I don't donate to the people who do this. So it's not my fault that they're doing this. I have no culpability. So it's like, am I just supposed to turn it down? I I don't know. You know, if somebody more, uh, you know, somebody with a bigger platform wants to take a stand, good for you. But you know, what, what am I supposed to do? Take a righteous stand for three people that know my situation? Yeah, I, I would argue that that's, that's kind of the saving grace behind what Biden's doing is everybody's situation is possibly different. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of people that are in your position that won't admit to that. I do, however, think there are more people in the position of, I paid my loans, what am I getting out of this? And I do think that, that there's more. There's going to be more righteous anger behind that heading into midterms than there are uh, yours. Samuel, what's your Twitter handle for everyone in the room? Can yell at you? 
Um, my Twitter handle. <laughs> you don't have to give that. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> hey, feel free to yell. Be mad. I don't care. It doesn't bother me any. Again. Nope. I know. I I, I, totally, I, totally, I totally. I I I totally appreciate honesty over anything else. So, like I said, it's you're you're the first person to like step forward and just be like, yeah, I'm taking this. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Um, so it, it's not, it's, it, it's more fascinating than anything else. And, and I do, I, again, I appreciate the honesty and, over, you know, yeah, like don't think it's you, you actually saying to me, like, no, I'm voting against this. And then you, you just going to the website and doing it like, behind all of our backs. So, yeah. And, uh, like you said, I, the last thing I say, I don't see how this gets done. Like I don't, my, my, yeah, one he didn't buddy, explain how it gets done. He just no. said, go to the website. Like somebody even said to me, somebody said to me today, like he's only using this to harvest emails because that's what Obama did. Like that's what half of the websites Obama did. Like Obamacare, the website didn't work, but it captured your email address. And that was like, holy fuck. He might be doing that exact same thing. For Fauci's retirement to the DCCC sent out an email to like sign like a card for Fauci. Oh God. And they were just harvesting for emails. But the last thing I'll say is um, uh, my one problem with like, because I think it should easily get struck down legally. My one thing is if I wake up tomorrow and my account is $10,000 less and we go through three years of legal proceedings in three years, are they going to add $10,000 back to my account? Like, what are they going to do if all that debt is gone by the end of the year? Yeah, nothing. I mean, until 2026, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't you, know what they're gonna do. About you bring, that. you bring, you bring up like technical points about how how are they gonna actually implement this, and then what happens if it? Like, you'd have to think a judge might have to block this in the next week or something, exactly. you know. And then you know, I don't know. Amy Coney Barrett strikes it down in, in an opinion or you know, whatever. See, and um, I would celebrate that, even if I didn't get the money, I would celebrate <laughs> the decision. If I failed. You're like sitting here acting like somebody's getting like a birthday present and then I'm going to open this even though I fucking hate you and my, only my parents invited you to the party Xander puss and then but I'm going to open your stupid present and then you get it and it's a PS5 but then they take it away from you because it's like no they stole Xander puss stole this and it so, hate them more so I'll vote even harder again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this again. This is a problem with having you know a decrepit old man who just comes out. Is he didn't explain anything today? I'm sitting here, and those of you who listen to my podcast, like I lampooned him in the in the intro again, but he didn't explain anything God, about how this works. He just came out and he, he gave a fucking speech about college is too expensive, and, and here's my grandpappy. And then he walked away and it was kind of like, no, your job is to justify this. Your job is to justify this constitutionally. It's your job to explain how you have the power to do this. And then, of course, he doesn't have if he doesn't do that, he knows that the people in the room tasked with the job of making him explain it aren't going to do it. And then fucking Ducey goes right oh, to Mar-a-Lago. I, believe like, I was sitting there watching that, and then I hear Pierre Reduce, Did Were you aware of the raid at Mar-a-Lago? No. Now, now here's what I'll stipulate. Our sign. Yeah. Here's what I'll stipulate. If somehow it comes out that Biden did know about the raid at Mar-a-Lago, that becomes a pretty consequential moment. But I, I don't, 
know if he had enough basis to do that. So it's kind of like, I, I would have rather him ask, like, where are you getting the authority to do this? Or I would have rather him ask, can you please name the man standing to your left? <laughs> because he had, his, he had like his education secretary and he leaned over and he goes, we were just talking about this in the Oval. And I was like, I just want a reporter to look at him and say, can you, what's his name? Like just that, like what's his name right there? What, who is that guy you're, who's standing right next to you? I, I watched it just to see what he would say. And I couldn't believe like three minutes in, he's talking about, you know, his dad and not going, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? That wasn't like, on a teleprompter. I mean, you had to know like Clay was standing backstage with the tranquilizer dart ready to go. He got lost at one point. You could tell he couldn't see the teleprompter. His eyes <laughs> couldn't see anything. really far. It was bad. <laughs> He was still in Delaware. Samuel, if you decide to go use the website, get, get, send me a message or, or, or Patreon comment, and I just want to know what that process is like. I, I admire your honesty at the very least. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the, thanks for the cash. Have a good one. Oh God, Andrew, same thing. I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm committed. We'll just go through these last eight callers. Uh, Andrew, same thing. Give me, if you have one, give me your student loan story. Have you paid them off? Are you going to take the cash? Are you not going to take the cash? Uh, what do you think about this announcement or this policy? Thanks, Stephen. Uh, first time, long time. Um, I guess my initial thought is I would have less righteous anger if there would have been um, a plan or some sort of solution to fix the underlying problem but it's it's just here here's another handout and you know as as you and the other callers have stated it's not going to end here where you know five ten years probably if not sooner down the road you know there'll be more calls to wipe out um all student debt not just ten thousand dollars worth uh, but my personal story is, well, actually I have two. I'll, I'll make it uh, very brief here. Um, I'm in my mid-40s, and maybe five years after college, I had 25000 in debt, and was, you know, my salary was um, very low, and I was having you know, trouble paying it, but defaulting or not paying never even crossed my mind at that point. It was only what am I going to do to pay off this loan? Um, and obviously it was going to the parents, which I did not want to do. Um, and so what I actually ended up doing was um, around the same time, I started to play poker recreationally. And that really became my, I guess, a part-time second job for three, four or five years. I love and this. If you can't pay off your loan, become a degenerate gambler. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you cannot make this up. And um, most of my winnings w went to pay off my debt. And probably five years later, I was debt-free. And if there's any newly hired IRS and, Andrew, Andrew, line, that was all reported. Andrew, how much have you made playing poker recreationally? Oh, gosh. Um... I would probably say at least twenty k. Is I mean that's over span that with interest. 50, uh, no, that is not with interest. <laughs> 
I'm, so, I'm just still laughing. I'm laughing at like where some of these calls take me. It's just like, uh, you know, yeah, I was drowning in debt, and then I just decided to start playing in like underground Russian poker rings. Oh uh, no, this was above <laughs> board decided, at the just, at I, the I, casino. I, I just I just decided to buy a rooster and start cockfighting, and hey, it all worked out. <laughs> Yeah, me and I, you know, I was playing a game in the back room with Teddy KGB. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so that's that's really my um, my experience, and I, I do look back on it fondly because um, it's it's something, you know, I, I never thought that I'd be good at poker, and um, <laughs> I never thought that I'd actually, you know, be a profitable poker player. Um, but one one of my best friends, uh, it, mind you, I'm for the most part straight edge. I I, I've I've done my my fair share in partaking in uh, recreational habits, but one of, one of my best friends literally became a Molly dealer to pay off his student loans, and he was very very <laughs> very successful at it. Um, and so that that's another like interesting thing that would be fun to talk to is like what did what shady shit did you do to like pay off student like just your student loans like not your housing your mortgage like. But what kind of like what kind of shit did you get involved in just to pay off the student loan debt? And then now it's waived, and now there's like a whole generation of people who will never know the joy of like back alley dice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I mean, you don't know what you're capable of. With hobos and Russian dissidents. Yeah, so I, I think if that would happen today with me, you know, the, the easiest route would be you know Uber driver or Lyft driver or something like that. But I <laughs> definitely wouldn't have to. Same kind of experience and stories. <laughs> um, Andrew, give me your best. Uh, I don't play poker. I'm not. I'm not huge on cards. Um, give me your give. Give the room. If, if you had to give, if, let's say there's people in here with student debt and they needed to get involved in the amateur poker racket. Give me your two best tips for anyone listening. What's the best way to win at poker to pay your student debt with a goal? Not not just to win at poker. If if you're if you have a long term goal, give me your th- now. I'm going to ask you for your three best tips, like the Teen Wolf Coach. What are the three best tips going into amateur poker to win to pay off your debt? Yeah, but the the first one to me the most important is um, you have to find the you know if you can find a good good card game uh that that's it um because you you never want to play with good players obviously um so i always thought that you know especially friday and saturday nights are the best time to play because you have a lot of amateurs who are just going out looking for you know doesn't matter if they win or lose they're going to have a few drinks play some hands and that's where you can uh definitely exploit them um so number one, obviously finding the right game um, and choosing the right game as well. Um, you know, I played Limit Texas Hold'em. Um, that is that has died out. So now it's all No Limit, um, and that's pretty much the only game in town. Um, but yeah, that and just I mean, you, you have to study as well. Um, you know, if you are going to um, maybe not do it as your primary career but if you definitely want to make a profit off it you have to take <laughs> it seriously uh, yes it, it, it's not yeah. all funny i mean no it's, it's pretty boring just, to be, to be honest I, with you i can just picture someone quitting their job be a full-time poker player 
and then going to work for Uber to pay their student loans. Now that that is hilarious. <laughs> Um, Andrew, uh, if you have any final thoughts, I'll give them to you. Uh, I'm just, I'm still, I'm still laughing at just like stumbling into being, uh, you know, stumbling being into Rain Man at cards to pay your student debt yeah. worked out for you. I'm glad that happened. You and me both. Um, I, I guess my final thought is just um, a friend's experience with student loan debt. And it was an ex-girlfriend of mine. And I mean, this is, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago. And she had just gotten out of um, graduate school a few years prior, and she was, I mean, it was like 70, 75,000 in debt. And um, I believe one of your other callers, or perhaps you mentioned earlier um, about some of these degrees. And she, her degree was, it was like art history or art education. And I'm thinking, how you know, what, how many types of jobs are there can you get with that sort of degree that would be able to justify paying that much for an education? Because at the time she was, she was working part time for, you know, barely minimum, maybe double minimum wage. And you know, there's no way that she would ever been able to pay that back. So it, it, and I think it goes back to my just first observation is that there's, there was nothing today, um, you know, that I heard that addressed this issue where these just bogus degrees cost an arm and a leg, and then you really can't do anything with them after you graduate. Yeah, you either can't do anything with them or what they what they are able to do with them they they decide not to. I think that there is this expectation that you're going to make 200 grand right out of college. And I don't know where that came from. I definitely think that that's a thing based on people that I personally talked to where they, they take out excessive amount of loans to get a humanities degree or whatever it is. And they expect that they're going to waltz out of college and they're going to be making 125, 175 grand a year right out of the gate and then they don't or they go they go for an app they go to apply for a job at a fucking history museum and then it's like oh by the way we're paying you 13 bucks an hour part time and then it's like well what the hell did i just do and this isn't fair and so i definitely think there is an element of this where it's not fair that i did this or it's not fair that i got this and if you heard biden he used that exact language it's not fair for texas billionaires and there's this expectation that they just they think that and i do think one social media influencing has a large part of this um they they look at people who are in journalism or they look at people who have large followings on twitter or who are young adult authors or whatever it is and then they look at things like this and then it's like hey i can go and do this and I'm going to come out and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be making 175 right out of the gate. And then it's like, no, you're going to be making 45 right out of the gate, especially like in journalism. Journalism is one of these things where they see someone like Taylor Lorenz or, you know, they see someone like Dave Weigel or whatever it has you. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can just come out and do this. And all of a sudden, like I said, you're you're living in New York City and you're you're working for BuzzFeed for $25,000 a year with living with four people in a studio apartment. 
and it's like this isn't fair and there's there, i think that this aspect especially when it comes to you know how people in media are pushing this is really underestimated so um yeah and not all of them are, are as good at cards as you andrew <laughs> Maybe not now, but definitely not back then. <laughs> if they keep practicing and losing, they might be yeah. one day. So, right. Andrew, thank you. I'm thank gonna, you, Stephen. I'm going to go ahead one. and ship, go on. Uh, we might be in for another Marathon Titanic episode, but I'm going to try to get through these last seven callers. Go ahead, Sheila. I, I will not up. be long. I promise, I promise, it will not be, like, extra long or anything. But I have a couple things to add to the – just piggyback on the last conversation. Um. It's it's about it the Texas Hold'em, help. right? Are we really going to get into this? No, argument? no, no, no. It's it's actually not about Texas Hold'em. It's about the type of people who are getting involved in these these policies. Actually, um, it was about like, okay, Nancy Pelosi was really. I lived in Nancy Pelosi's district or adjacent to her district, and and, and worked on a campaign uh, for a small candidate in in Northern California in SF, um, and. I went with Dan, uh, yeah, I went with this candidate, Philip Berg, to go see Nancy Pelosi explain this proposal how healthcare, national healthcare, the ACA was going to be funded. And it's their dream and their little dream reality that the people who get college degrees automatically get jobs and then they automatically make money. And it just isn't true. It wasn't true when she was talking about it. We already had ballooning uh, school rates due to the way that the government bailed out Wall Street corporations like, and nobody went to jail. None of that. Nothing really got reformed because the people who benefited from those bailouts actually were were those kind of liberal people like progressives and people who are now working in the ESG industry the environment sustainability governance these are the people who are like chasing every decision with a bunch of communist rhetoric and and they're they're actually trying to turn against uh Texas as a a city state or as as a state in America, and they're, they're like, we're, we're going to embargo the fossil fuel industry. We're going to embargo the fossil fuel industry. Okay. And then Texas, the state of Texas says, you can't do that here. And then they counter sanction the ESG corporations like UBS, BlackRock, you name it. Okay. So the people who are calling for these, you know, the public should pay for it. The little the little guy, the guy who started his own business and, and, and developed a pizzeria and then, you know, put his kids through through uh, school and then sent them to college and could still pay for it because he ran his own business. But he never had a degree. And those people are aspirational. They want they want their children to get degrees. Most of the working class are, are aspirational. They want their children to have a better future and a better education than they did. You know, if for me in my household, because my dad worked for the government and he had a master's degree, it was like, you will go to hell unless you get at least one degree. So that was the way it was for me. Uh, do I regret getting the student loan? Absolutely. Uh, but 
you know, I'm feeling strangely guilty because I did object to this policy, yet it still happened. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think everybody who voted for this bill should pay for it because they're getting insider stock tips, you know, or or they're in, they've got someone in government contracting in the family and the ethics committee, whoever they are, out to lunch. They're like, la, 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 we don't see any of this. We don't see it. We don't see Biden committing these things. We allow kleptocracy. It's okay now. It's our buddies. Um, this, is, this is what was funny to me about Schumer today. Is Schumer said, you know, he came out and praised Biden doing this. And I'm, I'm kind of like, what is it exactly do you fucking think that you do here? Like, you're the Senate majority leader. You could be proposing this legislation in Pelosi. Like, they just... Didn't we just do two weeks of a victory lap of Biden is back? Biden, Aviator Joe is back because they push they push through this uh, not don't call it the inflation bill. Like they could have done this. They could have said we're going to we're pushing through the I don't know. What would the media and the Democrats be calling it? The student loan immigrant forgiveness act. That's what they would be calling it. And. But there's a reason why they didn't do it. And there's a reason why they wouldn't push this right now. So I, I look at it and I just laughed at like Schumer today doing a victory lap. And it's like, wh- why are you celebrating this? Like you've abdicated your entire duty uh, of legislating to the executive branch, which, again, this can be overturned, which is what they're counting on, um, which, again, is why Schumer's not legislating through it. It's easier for Biden to put out the talking point than it is for Schumer to do the hard work of trying to sell this bill, which, like I said, there's not even a pretense behind it. They're not even sitting here justifying it. They're not sitting here. They're not even rolling out the usual if you oppose this it's racist talking points because they generally know the people who are going to have to pick up the tab on this are – Urban communities and poor immigrants who didn't decide to go to college, and that's the hard truth of this matter. So um, that's that's what was crazy to me about Schumer. He's just like, "No, good job, Mister President. Thanks for doing my job." And but it's but as usually with Schumer, it's all usually planned. Uh, I mean, I think that he gets a coalition to do the planning for him, and then he just goes up there and says threatening things at the top of his voice. I, I, you know, I wrote my, my experience, my loan experience, and I put it in the comments section if anybody wants to run it down. I just wanted to be short in my speech because so many people need to go. But, you know, I, I miss you, Stephen. I'm glad we had a chance to talk. I'm glad you came back, Sheila. You're much calmer than you were last time. So that's, oh, that's yeah. an improvement. I, not, I'm not not that I'm being misogynistic and telling you to calm down. I would never. No, do that. I mean I was I was legit upset. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry to your listeners that they had to listen to me get all pitchy. You know, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, and like like yeah, you know, just don't sonic. Ah! You, yeah, I'll never tell you to calm down, but don't get pitchy again. I'm just so sorry. But you're you're always free to come back. So. Uh, no, I appreciate I appreciate the fact that you came back and whatever, and and appreciate your thoughts. So, uh, but yeah, if anyone who's reading comments, I I don't look at comments because I'm afraid of hitting the end room button. But uh, go ahead and go read what uh, Sheila had to say there. We'll go through Denise Pierce, Andrea, Jason, and Jay, and then we'll wind it down. We are we're pushing we're pushing the Empire Strikes Back time limit now, but that's okay because I, I want to get everybody's thoughts in. So go ahead, Denise, tell me your own experience. With paying off student loans, how much you took out, what you took it out for, 
um, be as just like blatantly honest as possible, or if you didn't do any of that, what you thought about Biden's thing today? Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yep, you're okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was. I'm. I don't like it. I'm older. I'm 51. Um, I came out of college with a master's degree, not owing any money because I commuted. I had scholarships. I worked really hard and I got married young. He worked. I had a part-time job. So I'm one of these people that kind of pisses me off because I feel like I was responsible and did the right thing. Now, this, I'll add something that's maybe interesting. I worked for the IRS for 20 years and one of my ex colleagues today was celebrating online two or three posts, thankful and grateful. And, Oh, this is just so wonderful. Um, I kind of wanted, I've been wanting you to talk about the, the IRS thing I'm very briefly when they came out and said 80,000, 87,000 new agents. My first thought was agents, agents mean something. Agents means auditors. And then they come back and say, well, it's, um, folks answering the telephones and inputting tax returns and whatnot. And that the only people that will be audited are the super wealthy and large corporations. Well, that's only going to happen if you're going to hire GS at least 12, definitely 13 and above, making 94000 to start. So anyway, those those are my thoughts. Um, so, well, it's, it's, thank you for being brave enough to admit you work for the IRS. This is the most friendliest room to do that in. Um, <laughs> when you, when you, I'm, I'm totally joking with you. I'm totally kidding. Um, so like when you hear, when you hear this stuff and like you said, and because they're on the older age of this, um, and you clearly know that this policy is aimed at younger, it's aimed at like 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, Probably generally East Coast, Upper East Coast, uh, educated whites. And when you hear this and, you know, when you're coming, when you're again in that older voting age bracket, beyond why it says it bothers you, why specifically does it bother you? Because I assume you've, like you said, you paid your loans off years and years ago. Do you, do you think I, that this bothers someone like you more than it does people more recently? Like take someone who we've heard from tonight where they just paid them off, you know, they just, they just like aggressively paid them off and now they get hit with this. Do you think that that's going to hit more people than say where you are? Um, see, I, I didn't have any loans. I worked part time in, in, Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I, you I come said out of scholarship. College. I'm yeah. well. That just invalidated so, uh, everything I just said. So here comes my audit. <laughs> oh, no, oh no! And and look, I used to work for the IRS. I don't work for them anymore. So and and I have all kind of stories. If you no, ever want to do a podcast, you worked for them when they were less bad. We won't quite say good. No, they've always been bad. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not. I can't, I can't say they were less bad. But no, I. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's the way I was raised, but I did the responsible thing. I was trying to get through college without debt or with very little debt as possible and actually made it out with no debt. I just, it, it just galls me that I don't know that people go into this and taking on a lot of debt and you're not going to pay it off. You know, I did that just, I don't know. That's just maybe the way I was raised. That kind of thing just bothers me. 
Well, you, you have a subsect of very powerful people who are telling them it's okay not to pay it off because they want to remain in power. It pretty much boils down to that. Right. So I, I guess I look at this, I, I look at this similar to other debates where I think it's like Samuel where it's like, I don't necessarily blame him. I blame the people who are using that as policy. And I, I think that that's an important distinction. So when people are taking out their anger or people are, and I'm not talking about like taking pitchforks to the street and lighting hobos on fire or anything, but I, I guess I look at it and I say, I'm very cautious at blaming people as much as I am blaming politicians and policy. So a, a good example of this is in, in a lot of cities right now and a lot of progressive run cities and stuff like that, where uh, like Portland, for example, where they allow like encampments and tenting and stuff like that. The homeless, I, I don't think you go out and you yell at homeless people. I think you go out and blame the politicians, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if you attack people, you're, you're going to lose the argument. You're going to lose hearts and minds. And so for someone like uh, Samuel, for, ex- for example, who says, yeah, I'm going to take this. Fuck it. And I get that that probably like rubs a lot, a lot of people in the craw, but I guess I look at it and I go, I, I blame politicians for, for exploiting this more than I do the actual person for using it, if, this, if that makes sense. So I, I, I would say, and, and I would say that I would caution people from, you know, <laughs> if like your neighbor comes over and it's like, yeah, I'm taking the $10,000, fuck, don't set your neighbor on fire, okay? Go set the politician on fire. No, don't do that either, NSA. Anyway, uh, I'll give you a last thought if you want, Denise. Sorry, that was a joke, NSA. <laughs> well, um, it's kind of funny. I, Samuel reminds, made me think of my sister. My sister is a school teacher, and she has uh, debt. And so I um, haven't talked to her today, but I'm about 98% sure, although she would vote Republican and be against this policy-wise, she'll do like Samuel and take it and run yeah and i mean i'm i've I've always been like that i don't i I think it's hypocritical but again if it's offered to you by um like i said i always caution against blaming people over blaming policy i think it's okay to blame policy it's okay to recall politicians but if there's a policy that's out there for people to use then it's kind of like fuck it and just go ahead and do it so um that's kind of, that would be my if there was like an angry mob with torches and pitchforks ready to go hang people who took out loans that would be my trying to hold back the the you know keep the barbarians at the gate speech uh and i know that kind of makes me unpopular in some circles but yeah that's kind of where i'm at on that so that's what that's oh, the only thing might- denise i'm the only thing standing between you and the crowd who knows that you work for the irs now is what i'm trying to tell you <laughs> well hey i'm nice I would I would agree with that. You're you're nice in the very same way that Jamie Lee Curtis is the IRS agent is nice and everything all at once all the time, which is a great movie. Oh, I saw that the other day. Yep. it was great. It was everyone wonderful. Needs, everyone should go see that movie with the hot dog fingers. So that's oh, it. and you may be interested to, to know that when I worked for the IRS, the whole time that we had a union, the whole time the upper the people in the union would encourage all us peons to vote Democrat. 
yeah, of course they do. <laughs> my fa- my favorite thing is here is, is you do you have media when they said they were going to hire eighty seven thousand IRS agents. My favorite thing was like the media, like Glenn Kessler going, "This is actually a good thing." And I'm, it's one of those things where you just step off the train tracks and get out of their way and don't <laughs> stop them from making the mistake. That's it. Yeah. Thanks, Denise. I appreciate I appreciate you. All right. Moving on, we're going to get through these last four callers. Pierce, this better be about the fucking Joe Biden thing and not about tears, because if it's about tears, I'm going to boot you. Listen, I got two tears now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is about Joe Biden thing. Uh, <laughs> or your own student loans. Like, and, and I love you, Pierce, but seriously, if you bring me a tear suggestion, I'm going to I'm going to kick you for this one tonight. Nah. It's just we're like we're we're hit, we're hitting the what, what time did we start this? Sick, uh, yeah. Two hours ago, about yeah. yeah, we're going on. We're going on the Titanic time limit here. This might, this one right. might pass. So, uh, this better be about student loans. If you do a tier, I'm booting you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, back in 2014, I had about twelve thousand in debt, uh, student debt, and then I had other debts. I did two years of community college and two years of university. I went online with the, the university, so I didn't do any kind of like the in dorm living or anything like that because I knew that it was going to be expensive, and I didn't want to take on debt. Um, after all that, I lived very small and sm- snowballed my debt repayments following that method. And in about two years of like no vacations, not going out to eat, et cetera, I did pay off all my debts. Um, so hearing this and hearing this kind of 10,000 debt repayment, uh, it, I'm livid. Now, that being said, I have a brother who still has student debts and he's going to probably benefit from this and I don't blame him. But uh, man, it really just gets my goat of how this is going down. That all being said, though, Stephen, I do have a credit card trick I want to share with anyone. Um, so if you'll, if you'll, we want literally, to that, you literally that. have an IRS agent, a former IRS agent in the room, and someone whose neighbor's an IRS agent. So yeah. I'm just, I'm warning you, but go ahead, do it. Okay. So um, back in the day when I was trying to consolidate my debts, my credit cards, I, uh, I opened up an account and, and they said that they could do it. But then when they opened up the credit card, they said, oh, we couldn't transfer your your balances off your other accounts. So I was like, okay, this is stupid. I now have a, a fully open credit card, but I, I have no way of transferring my debts from my other accounts to this lower interest card. So what I ended up doing was finding a website that would allow donations. Like there's like GoFundMe, there's Indiegogo. There's also like wedding registries where you just open up like here, here's like a, a money donation and anyone can donate. And I... So I did that, and then I donated, uh, just maxed out my that credit card that I had that had a zero balance on it, and with all that money, I pulled out and then paid off my other credit cards. It was just ridiculous. Now, it's funny because I worked in the credit industry in security fraud, so I know that credit cards really don't want people pulling straight cash off their credit card. So by doing that, I know that was a big no-no, but eh, no one no one saw, no one got caught, and I was totally fine. So that's my that's my tip, my pro tip. <laughs> It's not exactly the big short, um, no. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I guess it's okay. Um, God, I, is- I know, I know that Mark's Bay is just going to be saying forgive credit card debt next, and we know they're all going to jump behind that. And especially when she runs for president, that's it's it's just going to be. It's just going to be all debt is bad. Which yeah, I mean, that's de- a natural debt can be bad. But oh yeah, no, that's it's. And why? It's, why? It's completely why only where they're going, yeah. just because of how fast today they were screaming Leroy Jenkins on medical debt. I'm Ugh. just like, yep, this is just yeah. where they're going to go, and they have enough. Debt. 
they have enough dumb, dumb young college kids, you know, on campuses who don't want to congregate with people of other races who are dumb enough to fall for it. The same, the same institutions that are teaching these dumb people to think that there should be no debt are the same institutions that are getting this money free. And that needs to stop and that needs to change. I'm kind of interested in seeing what happens when we get a Republican president in there and just executive orders the debt out. Like, when's, <laughs> yeah. like, DeSantis, like, or at least, you know, DeSantis comes offers, in. No, 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 it's not going to be that. It's going to be, it's going to be like President DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Kirstie Noem, whomever, Tom Cotton, whatever, decides to write off every gun owner's payments. Yeah. Like, or say, anyone who, oh, I, and I don't know, I don't know if you can finance, I'm sure some people can finance a firearm. I know you probably can't do it through like a firm or whatever. But right. someone who's like, if you've accumulated debt from paying off a firearm, we're going to write that off and just just watch like Jonathan Carl's head explode like the thing, like the dude in Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> just to do that, just to go, if you bought a gun, we're going to we're going to do a tax write off on if you're a firearm owner and yeah. just wa- just watch like the media loser ever living shit over that right. and, and those of us who who yeah. would say that that's a bad idea just go eh, you made the rules like you, yeah. this is what you did but yeah like yeah. somebody suggested that today or gonna or, or it's gonna be like or or something under a religious exemption or whatever like you can just like someone suggested like wait till they do a tax break on buying a firearm like an ar-15 <laughs> you don't owe state tax on <laughs> And just watch yeah. them lose their shit over it. And that's kind of like where we're going. And again, that's something where I go, eh, that shouldn't be allowed. But then I just go, eh, you brought us here. So here we go. Yeah. Suddenly the Second Amendment guarantees a firearm. And here it is. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. thanks a lot, Stephen. Thanks, Pierce. Uh, give me your shitty tier ideas uh, next podcast. Uh, Andrea, thank you. Thank, thank you for your last three. We're getting through it. I know Andrea had a podcast comment. Um, which I saw, but if you can give that to me now, you'll save me from reading it tomorrow. So fire away. Oh yeah. So I'm with Samuel to where I didn't vote for these people. I don't agree with them, but I will take this 10 grand all day long. Um, but my question, cause it's going to pay off. It's going to cut about 50% of my loan in half. Still leaves me with about 13 K, but whatever. No, my question is, um, but hold, how, on, hold uh, on, but that, that's pay <laughs> that's coming from us. It's coming from Jason, who's behind you, and Jay, and everyone else in the room. It's I know. Yeah, I know. So I'm not going to let you skip by that. I'm one. a hypocrite. I'm just going to yeah. let you know that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make you address that part at least, and then I'll go ahead and thank you for being a long-time subscriber, and now I'll let you off the hook. Yeah. Um, no, it's coming from me too. So I paid my taxes into it and I'm actually like one of the, like the worst examples. Like this is money from Baylor university that I went to right after I got out of high school, but stayed about two years and then just figured college wasn't the thing for me. And then I went to culinary school. That's probably another 10 grand of that. That's in there. And then after a year of culinary school, I was like, hold on. Hold on. So you, you were able to take out student loans for culinary school. Yeah. Was so this, this was a, back in so 2000. Was, this was back okay. in 2000. So, I mean, this is, this was kind At of at the art Institute, by the way. Oh, so, okay. So this was art Institute. So you were able to take out loans from art Institute. 
mm-hmm. to, to go to culinary. And this is kind of, and I don't care about that, but this is kind of one of the complaints is that you had these technical academies who offer you things like culinary or, and I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. saying culinary. I'm, this isn't my personal belief, but this is one of the complaints know, is that fine. Fine. people, t- people took out loans for these kinds of schools and then either it didn't pay off or they weren't hired. So do you, so do you agree, especially cause I know about art, art institutes and you know, I know people, same thing with their degrees. Do you think that like, debt should be forgiven from certain institutions like say ITT tech or Phoenix or art institutes, but not from like four year accredited universities. From what, from what I understand, art Institute is a legit like thing. I mean, you can go and get a two year degree in like, you know, digital engineering or, you know, something like that, something with computer, um, they also do cosmetology. They do culinary. Culinary, you do not need a degree to become a chef. Actually, in the restaurant industry, it's more about experience. So that their whole culinary degree program is probably kind of a gimmick, but whatever. Um, I don't, I mean, like, I, I'm a total hypocrite. I totally think people should be smart enough to know when they're being taken for a ride and going to school at a place that, is just looking to make money off of you. No, I'm not sympathetic to people who like went to schools like that. But I'm not the one pulling the lever here. Biden is. <laughs> so. And so you're totally good. You so you're totally cool. It's like, yep, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm, I will. I'm, I'm like Samuel. I mean, I mean, I'm not like. Um, I will take the money. I'm. I'm not fighting for it. If he wasn't going to do it, he wasn't going to do it. I mean, here's, I'm probably even more of a bad person because I'm like, well, crap, that still leaves me with 13 K. And for people that have like 50,000 plus in loans, 10 grand is not going to make much of a difference. My whole question is if this sticks, like if it survives court challenges, I want to know how's it going to work when it trickles down months from now and gets reported to the three credit bureaus. Is it going to be reported like I just wrote a check for 10 grand or are they going to amend my entire loan to where a new balance is shown? You know what I mean? Because if they're going to report it to where 50% of my loan is gone overnight, that's a hell of a boost to anyone's credit. Um, what, what I'll say, I'll tell you the same thing I told Samuel, which is <laughs> go and apply for this. You have to apply. To yeah. You have to go to, I mean, you have to go to a website. I don't think that they do. I don't think Biden's speech was just for you. Like, I think that, no, you no, no I mean, to, but we actually, so it's not going to just automatically happen because the whole COVID pause automatically happened. I didn't have to opt into that. No, that's, I mean, that's a good point. That, but this is all shit that he, he should have answered today, which we know he yeah. couldn't because he can't figure his way out of an abacus. Um, <laughs> but no, he, he gave a web URL today. And okay. He did give it correctly the first time. I will give him credit for that <laughs> because that's why I went and checked it when he gave out and he squinted at it. And he's like, go to jpfl.gov.potato. And I was like, okay, I'm going to gov. And he did. He gave it out correctly because he yeah. gave it out the prompter. 
but you do have to go to a web- website. I think you apply for it. You put in your name, you put in your social security or something. I don't know. I, I, I looked at the probably home, to the check your page. eligibility because my, um, co my like colleague at work, she and I are both the same age. We're like your age, early forties, late thirties. And during COVID, none of her federal loans were paused like mine were. My entire, um, back, if people are our age, remember when George W. was president, he did this thing around 2006, 2007, where um, you could consolidate all your federal loans into one loan. So if you had multiple student loans, you were able to consolidate them. I took advantage of that. So all my, I had five back then. Now it's just one. And all of that was put on the pause during the COVID thing. Well, my friend Ashley, none of hers was, but she thought it was. So she wasn't making payments. And then she almost fell into default because they were like, no, you didn't qualify. Huh? Yeah. So I would say go to the website. I'm not going to give it to you because I don't know what it is, but yeah. Look, okay. Go to Check the website, the eligibility. Look at it. See what you do. If you apply, take me through, like just leave a comment or a message and go through the steps of what it takes to do that. Okay. Just out of my own curiosity again, because it could be different than Joseph's or whatever. And uh, I'm half convinced it's only, it's only there to harvest emails anyway, but <laughs> go through that and let me know. And, well, uh, now see if that yeah. works or whatever, or what, however they they do that. Okay. Well, after listening to a lot of people, I'm kind of, I forgot who it was that said it. Samuel, maybe was he the one who said, you know, I don't want them to take the 10 grand out. And then if it doesn't survive a court challenge, are they going to like put it back a few months from now? So you're like living in I limbo. I guess you'll have to find that out kind for of- us. Cause I, yeah, I mean, you said you're going to do it. So that's all that you, that's the role of the dice. Yeah. Thing. Now, if this goes to court, who's going to challenge it? Cause it's not going to be this, the borrowers, us, why would we challenge free money? And it's not going to be the universities cause they already it's got paid. Free. So who's going to bring a suit? Just to be clear, oh, in my libertarian yeah. way, it's not free money. <laughs> I know, I know, but I mean, I'm I'm just curious. Like, who who would realistically? I mean, who's logically going to be the one kind of person to bring the suit? It's not going to be the borrowers. I don't think it's going to be the schools. I don't know. Maybe uh, someone who has paid off their loans who's like, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it it depends. I mean, it could be a group of lawyers. It could be. Uh, a political action committee. I mean, there, there's, there's people who could do it again. I don't know the details of standing and yeah. I don't know if judges are able to do it. Like I said, I'm, I'm one of the few people who does what I do. Who's willing to, admit <laughs> it. I don't know how that would all work. Yeah. Um, well, but, I'm not getting my I mean, hopes up too high. Cause I think it's going to go exactly the way of the rent moratorium, which I thought was stupid and crazy. So I'm not getting my hopes up. I mean, he's announced it. And I think it's probably going to be up in the air for about six months or so. And then it's going to fail in court. And that'll be that. Well, it'll be up in the air at least past the midterms. And that's what he's counting on. Yeah. Okay. Well, and no, I'm not going to give you my Twitter handle so people can come and like (laughs) harass me. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. They know you subbed to the podcast and that'll be enough for me to read their comments. So thank you, Andrea. Yeah, bye. Winding it down to our last two, finally. Uh, Jason, same thing as the night. Uh, give me your own experience with student loans. Have you paid them off? If you hadn't paid them off, would you take this? Or anyone you know or what you saw with Biden? Um, I'll just talk about what I want to talk about. The standing issue with uh, 
anybody can sue. I don't think anybody can sue on this. The difference between this and the uh, rent moratorium is that the landlords had an actual injury. Here, the only people who benefit, only people are benefited by the law, if that makes any sense. So she, so Andrea was right. There's a bunch of people who get ten thousand free dollars, and they're not going to complain about it, and they're not injured in the way that standing works. Um, just so out of curiosity, are you speaking at, and I don't mean this derogatory, are you speaking as an attorney or just someone with experience with it or, or what? Um, an attorney. Um, okay. I only, I have I only guess that just means that I take, I take what you're saying more seriously. Sure. Sure. Um, just to explain. Can, so could, could uh, a university uh, group sue over this as in. Because because you're not paying back the loan unless the federal loan is guaranteed by the government, it's backed by obviously the the, the federal judiciary or the fiduciary. Uh, could could a borrower possibly or a bank sue on this? No, uh, I think there's a misunderstanding here. The federal government actually holds these loans. Like right? No, I mean I mean I know I know I know I know that in the sense of that. The federal government's just basically saying we're we're taking the loan back from you and we're going to pay it off. Except it's the federal government is obviously doesn't have the money to do it. That comes from us. No, 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 no. The these aren't like the federal backed private loans. The federal government's been directly lending to people for like fifteen years now. I think fifteen, maybe a little later. Like the money originally came from the treasury. These aren't the. As far as I know, these aren't the uh, guaranteed private loans, and I don't think private loans are effective, nor could they be, probably. That would have been something that would have been nice for our president to clear up to. <clears throat> yeah, because, no, like, I mean, I do have student loans, but I I mean, I pay them to a servicer, but that servicer doesn't own the loan. It's still property of the Department of Education. I don't think, <sighs> yeah. I so there so is isn't why like Biden a, basically said it's ten grand on whatever the loan, but then it's, it's twenty grand on Pell Grant, so the government can pay back the twenty grand on that over the other. I don't. I don't even remember. He didn't say. I don't know if he said private loan or whatever. Um, but I don't. It was basically ten grand on one loan, but twenty grand on Pell Grants. Yeah, uh, you have to. I mean, everybody can get the federal direct loans. And then Pell Grants, I actually don't know much about. So I don't know what the financial structure of those are. So so, so real quick, as an attorney, mm-hmm. if you let, – let's – so let's just – let's game a scenario. And this is completely hypothetical, admittedly sure. coming from someone who stumbled into your office. Yeah. If someone wanted to challenge this, how would you go about doing it? So let, let's say let, – no, I mean I know you're laughing, but – yeah. If you're the attorney who's gonna, if you're the guy who's gonna sue to stop this in a way that could be blocked, how would you go about doing it? Yeah. I mean, Andrea mentioned people who paid off their loans, but I don't even think because the courts of people have asserted what's called taxpayer standing before, and the courts never gone with it. They've always been like, no, you can't sue over something that kind of affects everybody equally 
it has to be particularized to you, which is why the landlord, um, the eviction moratorium actually affected the landlords. Like they weren't getting their rent and they couldn't do anything about it. Um, the only thing I can think of is, and this is an area of standing I don't understand is, uh, like, Congress suing, but that's a relatively new and pretty incoherent area of law right now. So I don't know what they could do about it. So, so similar to basically John Boehner suing <clears throat> Obama over executive orders. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know but, how but far. Biden we... didn't even clarify if this was an executive order or not. Is the problem? Like I mean, it it's, it's not being framed that way. It's being framed as he has the governing authority under the 2003 Disaster Act to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could just, whether it's an executive order or not, I mean, it's still an action. And if Congress thinks like it's just their power, uh, it is hard to think. They could impeach him. Just to, well, yeah, <laughs> but they're not going to. This is the this is what impeachment is probably designed and they for. Even if, well, even if you could narrowly say, yeah, it was legal under the Heroes Act, it's clearly an abuse of that power. Like, and and I'm of the camp that like, you know, impeachment can be whatever the Senate or the House and the Senate want it to be, essentially, because the phrase "high crimes and misdemeanors," if you go back into like English history, that just bas- basically means an abuse of power. It's, um, but withstanding, just to explain it real quick, the Article 3 of the Constitution restricts the judicial power to deciding cases and controversies. The courts interpreted that to mean like they don't just make decisions on the law. Somebody has to present, somebody who's been injured has to actually bring suit. So they can't just like decide the law in the abstract. Somebody has to be injured. <clears throat> um, that's that's interesting. I'm I'm trying to rack my brain about someone who could who could argue that. And I I'm not I'm yeah. not sitting here trying to wish cast. I'm genuinely. No. I like having someone who knows this who would be like, yeah, this isn't going. This isn't going to go to SCOTUS. This isn't going to do anything. We're stuck with this. Yeah. Um, uh, I think basically, John- we have we just have Samuel. We have Samuel and Andrea to blame for all of this. Yes. And um, <laughs> how about this? How about can can we sue Samuel and Andrea for taking the loan? Yes, of course. <laughs> how, under what pretense can we sue them under? Uh, negligence, just common law negligence. Let's do that. Okay. And <laughs> so can we sue them for so can I sue Samuel for any amount or does it have to be like the amount of the loan like the ten thousand dollars? Can I just sue him? To get reimbursed, can I sue him for the two thousand dollars that's going to be increased in my taxes? Yes, of course. All right, okay. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. No. Okay, so right uh, now there are currently a hundred and eighteen people in here. So mm-hmm. if we all got together. We could <laughs> technically sue Andrea and Samuel for two grand each. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Let's just go ahead. Let's just find out. You know, the court hasn't said no yet, which is what Biden's going on. So might as well. Oh, uh, that'll teach that'll teach them to be honest. So yeah. oh, one, uh, more, one more thing. I know yeah, 
Um, I know John Hinderocker on Powerline mentioned this too. I know you mentioned Gabriel, Gabriel Mailer and Hinderocker said, yeah, this just takes advantage of the fact that no one's going to have standing to stop it. And apparently uh, Powerline does like a three whiskey happy hour podcast every week. And apparently they're having John Yu on that. Who's probably the best person to listen to on these kind of things. Yeah, I I don't set out I don't set out to do this, especially when I did a I took I, I recorded for three hours on my podcast today, mm-hmm. um, but that's only because I screw my listeners over for not doing yesterday or Saturday. So the, this to me is penance at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also I also enjoy it. So no, I can't do. I can't do a three. I probably should have split this one into two episodes, but because um, I have no, I have two more of these to do this week. I have no idea what I'm going to do tomorrow on. I really, I really should have looked at like when I saw 16 callers and I would have been like, I'm taking eight and I'll see you the rest of you tomorrow. But um, yeah. I don't know how, I, I don't know how anyone does a three hour podcast and expects anyone to still be interested in it. Um, <laughs> but that's, uh, those guys are probably smarter than me. So what what was the name of it in case anyone's interested again? The Three Whiskey Happy Hour. It's not a three hour podcast. It's just oh, it's the Three Whiskeys. Whiskey, okay. yeah, Whiskey Happy Hour or two. Right. Whiskey. I don't know. It's um, Stephen Hayward and like John Yu's been on there the past three weeks for via a variety okay. of things. I just, I completely misheard because my brain is applesauce at the moment, but that's all right. Um, okay. Well, John, thank Jason. Thank you for killing everyone's hopes. But on the other hand, thanks, thanks for giving everyone the option to sue Samuel and Andrea. Yeah. You just being, have to find them to serve them with process. That'll oh, I can find them. We'll figure that out. That's, I know, I know people who know people I have, I have their credit card information, so I should be able to find them fine. So I'll let you know. All right, cool. Let's get thanks, this. Jason. All right. All right. Take care. Right. Uh, we're finally down to it. We're down to our last one. Jay, thank you for hanging in there. I know it's been a while. I know it's no fun to be that last person. Uh, go ahead and bring us home. Let me know if you have student debt. Have you paid off your student debt? Um, if not, are you going to take this deal? And if not, are you angry about it? And uh, just, like I said, make it worth our time. Well, I'm, I apologize. Uh, both my brothers the only siblings I have have massive student debt, not me, because I didn't go to grad school. So, and, and how I, much would I, you I, say that your family combined has in student debt? If you could guess, because I don't. Well, they. I wouldn't they assume took, your brothers took would it share on. their bill. I didn't with go you. to grad school, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume your brothers share their bill with you. But how much would you be guessing? Seventy. Okay, so that's the same as one. Uh, humanities major oh, one, one, one Harvard Law semester. <laughs> okay. So Lawrence Tribes class. Yeah. They're, they're getting yeah, no, yeah, no. They didn't go there, but Okay. No, I, on average. So they're getting probably. forgiven, so that's good. No, God bless them. But they they were the fools who restructured it right before today. I mean they did it a couple months ago. <laughs> And now they're screwed. <laughs> but they now they used to keep having, having to pay. Year. They would have been done. So why did they would have been done? Why did they restructure like a month ago when they when Biden has been talking because, about this because last year? During during the pause, they thought that paying it right now would 
be a benefit. And then, cause they never expected like some random acceptance of whatever their <laughs> debt was. <laughs> they never thought that was going to happen. So are you, are they hyped? Are they going to take advantage of this? Or are they jumping? Oh, my bro. Oh, oh, they're so mad. They're so mad. <laughs> they are so upset. Well, I that's right. They just, they just took so the restructuring upset. a couple months ago and now this happens. Yeah, no, they, they were like, oh, I'm going to restructure. It's going to, it's going to make sense. It's going to lower my monthly payment. And then it's like, oh, 10 grand's gone. That doesn't apply to me. Great. <laughs> that how doesn't. Do you, how do your brothers vote? Oh, they're, they're as Republican as it gets. Okay. They're so mad. <laughs> <laughs> just like, but they had yeah. to know it was coming, right? I mean, if they're if they're Republican and they vote, well, no, Republican, no, no, they, they didn't. They, they, they had truly to. saw it. They truly saw it. It was so illegal that he could do it that it would never happen. Oh come on! How, and how old are your brothers? Are they like freshmen? Thirty-four and thirty. So they've been around since Obama, and they thought that no president will actually do something this illegal. Yeah, but also, I mean, the courts are going to strike it down anyway. So I think they have some solace in that. Well, but we just heard that maybe they won't because there's no one withstanding who could strike it, unless it's a judge who blocks it. But again, I don't know if that's how judges work. Um, I, I don't know if your brothers are listening or whatever, if they know you're doing Oh, they're, this not. Or, they're not. Okay, if they know who I am. <laughs> but tell them they're a fucking dumbass. Tell them that came from me and, and you can show them like Good. Fox News contributor and spectator and examiner <laughs> writer told them they were a fucking dumbass. <laughs> of course he's going to do it. That's the thing about Biden. He doesn't. He has no guiding principles. He has the only guiding principle Biden had is like listening to Chris Dodd sandwich a waitress with Ted Kennedy. Like the dude, <laughs> the dude has been a punchline in Washington for forty years. He he is the very definition of generic D. And so yeah. anyone who thought he wasn't going to try to do this, it's just again the they tried to sell this guy as the principled old sage giving the country a Werther's over the insane man. And granted, he's insane. So that's an easy act to pull. But that's why that's why people who didn't vote for Trump, like me, could not just go and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for either. that guy. Because we paid <laughs> attention for the last 20 years. So yeah. of course he was going to do exactly what journalists tell him to do. Exactly what... I thought it was... So the story went today that the last time that Chuck Schumer pushed this on him. So reportedly Schumer has been pressuring him to do this forever. And of course Schumer's in New York and he could be facing a Senate challenge in AOC. So I thought thought what was funny is the last time they said that Schumer pushed this on Biden was coming back from the funeral of the Buffalo supermarket shooting. (laughs) And I couldn't even bring myself to tweet about that. Like, yeah. What a song. It were, you just came back from the funeral of like, what, eight dead black people, and you're on Air Force One, and Schumer just bellies up to you and goes, Man, I'm sorry. This is hard. Like, I, I, this is my yeah. state, and <laughs> I know this is in Buffalo. It's not, and this is really hard. And thank you for coming, Mr. President. Oh, by the way, have you thought about forgiving student loan? And yeah. like, of course, Biden's just like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, like, whatever. Like, this is the dude who was checking his watch at bodies coming back from Afghanistan, okay? And yeah. so I thought, I saw that, and I was just like, of course he's going to do this. It's it's what Klain and Susan Rice, who are on Twitter all day, are telling him to do. So, of course he's going to do this. And it's why the same thing, maybe not next year, but heading into 2024, 
if Chief Warren or AOC push medical debt forgiveness, oh, that's next. 100% forgive medical debt. Because of COVID, because COVID incurred thousands of dollars of medical debt on people who didn't ask for it, it's going to be we have to forgive medical debt. And that, I guarantee you, I'm going to put a marker down on that one heading into election year 2024. Okay, well, that was my one question is – there, like, I, I can't understand a reason for them doing this. And I think it was Both. Charles Cook or somebody that was talking about it being the only reason they're doing it is to get the left flank off their bass. Like, that is their only reason they're doing this. No, no. Like, they're I, all I, in I on fully, Biden. I fully believe that. Just it's, getting it's, it off them. Yep, yep. To get, if you need, if you need congressman airport designation and the squad to get out there and gin up votes for you heading into midterms which you know like no party gets out there and does midterms i mean it's always the party who's in the minority who's ginned up to vote people out so if you were going to get out there to get votes you know that ian omar and rashida Tlaib and uh, anya presley and cory bush and alexandria casa-cortez are out there going what are you going to do for us like, if yeah. I'm going to go travel the country for you, what are you going to do for us? And this, to me, is the bare minimum. Like, that's the funniest thing about it is I'm going to forgive $10,000. When, the they, when they want it, when they wanted like, 60 or 100%. Yeah, or all of it. Like, they, like yeah. Bernie Sanders' wing was calling for all of it. So yeah. the bare minimum that you could do to satisfy them is $10,000 or 20000 in Pell Grants and then go out there and sell a story that's what I don't understand. For They're not appeasing any faction. Oh no, that's yeah. And we talked about that, and he said, and he even said that. I'm and yeah. I was a little late to it, so I'm just like looking no. at it and being like, what? No, he he's not. And that's the thing is, it's it reminded me of when John Kerry went out there for the Obama when, um, oh God, it, whatever attack it was, some terror attack, and they were trying to decide how do we hit Syria for this terror attack. I forget what it was. Um, I don't know if it was the beheading of the journalist, but it was something that it was something that happened in the Obama administration. And John that would Kerry be went on out brand. Beheading of a journalist. Oh, <laughs> he went out and he said, we're, we're doing an extremely minimal strike. And it was Obama, like hit some fucking building or uh, airport runway or something. And so it's like it's the it's the least amount of thing that we could possibly do to make nobody happy. But the reason he's doing it now and because we've been talking about this for a year, they've been saying Biden's going to make his decision. Biden's going to make his decision. And then finally, what in it's August 24th, but it might as well be September electorally two months before midterms. All it is, it's a cynical move to drum up like the educated young white journalist base to try and get the vote out because they're being sold a bill of goods that it's going to be a close election. And that's pretty much it. And even if it gets blocked, it's going to happen, you know, after this all goes down. So that's why he announced it so close, because any legal challenge is probably going to come right before the election or right after it, in which case it doesn't matter. And that's the thing people understand about Biden. Everything he does is based on electoral politics to hold on to power or keep ahead of the polls or whatever. He is, like I said, in my lifetime. But it, but it has been it has been 
in his history to his detriment. Yeah, he's well, run yeah, for president seven be, times. But because like everything he's thought he does it was the wrong a good decision. Idea. Everything he's ever done has been the wrong decision. But the thing okay. is, he's, yeah. is, he's always just been in the Senate. He's never been a governor. He's never been someone who's, you know, who He's never actually held the levers of power. Right. <laughs> you know, it, that's exactly right. When he was vi- when he was Obama's vice president, he was assassination insurance. And everybody knows that. <laughs> and so that's the thing is, but he's still generic Democrat. And mm-hmm. this is the funny thing for someone who's kind of like Gen X in my lifetime. I've never seen generic Democrat like I, I grew up with Reagan and then Bush. And the first Democratic president I saw in my lifetime was Bill Clinton, and he wasn't generic Democrat. He was running yeah. against people like Bob Kerry and uh, Jerry Brown and Dick Gebhardt. Those were generic Democrats. And then so we had eight years of Bill Clinton, and then we obviously had eight years of Bush, and then we had Obama. And Obama was not generic Democrat. I mean, he was running against Hillary Clinton and John Edwards and – or I'm sorry, also – but that even with John Kerry – John Kerry was generic Democrat running against Bush. Yeah. But as far as a president, Biden is just he's like the last of his kind. He, I mean, he really, yeah. he's a fossil. He really is in every sense of the word. And so I looked at him like if you've grown up with generic Democrat, of course, he's just doing cynical ploys to stay in power or to keep his office. And he views his office very much as he views the Senate, which is, you know, I'm in six year term and I'm never going to be kicked out (laughs) when I don't know. I mean, based on his age and what people are saying, of course, you're probably being aged out. But on the other hand, he's probably just like the same habits, which is he's listening to people that tell him to just do whatever you can to get through the next election, which is what the problem, yeah. that's pretty much the primary problem yeah. with everyone in our Senate and everyone in our house. You're just doing enough to sit, to get through, to barely get you through the next election. And he doesn't understand the difference between being a Senator and actually being the president. I that's agree. why the most I successful would, weeks of his presidency that. was when it, he was not there. <laughs> yeah, and and this and same thing with Klein and Susan Rice. They don't know the difference either, and so that's again what they, we're the, the thing so is they many, don't care. They don't yeah, care. we're seeing so many nakedly political moves. Like it's clearly this is such again a cynical move that's made just strictly to get you through the midterms, and yep. they know that they have a media they can rely on to not call it that. Yeah. Jay, I'll give, I'll give you. I'll give you the final word. Take you. We almost. We we've officially passed hey, Empire hey, Strikes Back. I, run I, wait, I waited long enough. God bless. <laughs> Go to bed. You're good. Yeah, I think I think we're at that moment. So <laughs> yeah, and, and I got to do this tomorrow night again. Uh, tomorrow night's going to be short. I'm only going to do like a 15 minute call in tomorrow night. I'm going to take one caller that I want to. <laughs> It'll probably right. be Pierce and his shitty tears idea. Um, yeah. and then, uh, we'll do that. But Jay, I appreciate your thoughts. Um, we did it. We, we didn't quite make it to Titanic, but we officially overpassed the, the empire strikes back runtime. Uh, I didn't expect to do that, but I also didn't expect to have so much interest. Um, so I was happy to do it. I wanted to thank everyone for sharing their stories with student loan stuff. Again, this to me, it's again, one of those topics that hits everyone or hits most people. Um, Similar to, again, dropping your kid off at school. And it's this, this is one of these episodes where people can reference and they can say, hey, look, this is this is how it's going to affect real people. And, you know, it, it's one of these things that breaks through media narratives, which is why I enjoy doing this and which is why I've stayed on here 
longer than fucking Return of the Jedi. Um, I want to thank my callers. Again, thanks, everyone, for sharing your stories. Uh, I know it's been a long night, so I appreciate people for tuning in, dropping out, um, or what have you. Um, I am going to be back here tomorrow night. As I said, I'm going to, just for the shits and giggles of it, uh, I will be back on Patreon tomorrow, believe it or not. And uh, I will be back here tomorrow night. I haven't decided a topic. I may decide to continue this. Um, it might be open form. It might just be uh, bar talk. I will be back on Patreon then Friday and back here again. Uh, so we're doing things a little unconventionally. So, again, uh, tune in for that as well. Um, you you guys have made this, I think, in the top two or three shows on Colin, And uh, it, it's kind of a niche app. But there are a lot of big names on here. So, again, thank you for participating in these. Thank you for kind of propping me up. Uh, and, again, thank you for sticking with this format. I know it's not interesting to everyone, but I do love hearing from people all over the place. And I love hearing about your stories. And I think that that's what separates us from just interviewing people in media, which it doesn't interest me. Um, so, again, thanks, everyone. Uh, I will be back here tomorrow night. This is Episode 36, Unforgiven on Student Loans. I'm Stephen L. Miller. This is the Versus Media Live. You can, of course, get me on Twitter. Uh, you can super follow me now, although it's obnoxious to do so at that rate, but I did that on purpose. And uh, you can also, of course, get me on Versus Media on Patreon there. And uh, I'll see you guys back there tomorrow, and I will see you guys back here tomorrow night. Uh, cheers, and finally, go get some sleep, you degenerates, especially the gambling degenerates. Cheers. <laughs>